Hello and welcome to A Smashing Theory, the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Prediction Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Sean. And we're back after our first, uh, this is our first bi-weekly episode. We took a one-week break for the first time since we started the podcast. Yes, we did. How how was your break, Sean? Uh, it was nice. I do enjoy, of course, recording this podcast, uh, but after doing it every week, every Wednesday for a solid several Wednesdays, it was nice to just have a Wednesday off to do whatever I wanted. What did you do? I I don't even remember. I probably played Final Fantasy or something like that. God, I a... should have just recorded an episode. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? What, what did you do on your week off? I also forget. Okay. Um, well, this is why this podcast is so important. The rest <laughs> of our life is forgettable. The only remember the only memorable thing we do is talk about Smash theories. Isn't that the truth? So before we start our episode, which is a doozy, mm-hmm. let's get into some corrections. Uh, from our last episode, okay, because there definitely are some. We I have a couple of big ones. We recorded our last episode right after E3, right after Nintendo showed off all their Smash E3 stuff. So we made a a couple of claims pretty hastily and missed a couple of things that sort of got lost in the shuffle of all that news. In the words of the Aladdin soundtrack, "Let's not be too hasty." Still, I think he's rather tasty. So I guess we should really get into these. Chomp down on some corrections. Is was El- Aladdin's running from the guards and he's like oh. backing up and he goes, "Let's not be too hasty." And then this big kind of BBW grabs him and goes, "Still, I think he's rather tasty." <laughs> and then Aladdin runs away. That's still not a great moment in filmmaking. Yeah, that's man. That, that's problematic on a lot of levels <laughs> in retrospect. That whole like... movie is man. It's like a bunch of white people voicing a bunch of POCs <laughs> in a fictional uh, Middle Eastern nation yeah. where some of the lyrics are like, they'll cut off your ear if they don't like your face, like Ooh, kind of portraying them as this really barbarous people. Wow. I like that movie a lot. It's got problems. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, got a, got a couple corrections. First is that uh, we said that there were 25... Confirmed assist trophies, and we listed them mm-hmm. in our E3 reactions episode. That we did. There were four more found in various bits of footage after we recorded our episode. Ooh. Uh, those are Dr. Kawashima mm-hmm. from Brain Age. Okay. Dr. Wright from SimCity, guy with the pointy green hair, does the city thing. Right, where the buildings come up and knock you away. Yeah. Uh-huh. Girahim. From Zelda Skyward Sword. Classic. And Samurai Goro from F-Zero. Nice. Wow. So, Two out of four of those people have PhDs. I don't know, maybe Samurai Goro does as well and just keeps <laughs> it hidden to preserve his cool guy image. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one can know that I went to Bounty Hunter Medical School. <laughs> Dr. Goro, please, someone has to help. This man's dying. Uh, no, what? I left that part of my past behind. <laughs> All I know is how to use the samurai sword. I'm a racer now and a murderer. <laughs> so, so yeah, those four characters are technically deconfirmed as playable now. Uh, right. But I don't think anyone was really expecting to see any of these as playable anymore. I think a lot of people were thinking that Girahim would be playable for mm-hmm. Smash Four. I would have, I, I would have liked that. But your like theory about Zelda predictions, you know, continues to hold true. It still makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, 
The second thing, the the biggest one, was that, you know, we talked about how there are Omega versions and Battlefield versions of every stage now, but you still could not turn off stage hazards as far as we knew. Right. They actually confirmed during the Invitational, uh, implicitly, that you could turn off stage hazards by having a match in Saffron City with stage hazards off. Right. And then they confirmed it explicitly uh, the next day on the Treehouse. That is great for people who don't want stage hazards. Yeah, it's really awesome, and it really, it really potentially opens up a lot of stages for tournament viability now. I'm really interested to see what the competitive community does with that, and I really hope that they sort of keep an open mind mm-hmm. to start, you know? I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the competitive community does with that, if anything. Yeah. I would put it, because... They've surprised me before yeah. with their complete and utter unwillingness to be <laughs> flexible. So we'll see. You know, I, I hope that this leads to more uh, variety and competitive stages. Yeah, me too. So before we jump in to our big meaty topic for the episode, we now are in a position that we can talk Smash News every episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this, this one's kind of small. Obviously, we covered all the big stuff uh, last time. I mean, it's small if you hate fun. (laughs) Now that Smash Brothers Ultimate has been fully revealed, the website, the Smash Dojo, I think it's just the Smash Brothers website now, is being updated regularly, mostly with stuff that we've already seen. Like, since since we already have pages for every character, Mm -hmm. most days they're just highlighting a character that we've already seen a page for. Right. But sometimes they show something completely new. Uh, in this case, music tracks. Yes. Uh, that uh, represent new arrangements for Smash Bros. Ultimate. So far, they've uploaded six tracks. Mm-hmm. They've uploaded the main theme, peculiar- peculiarly, interestingly called the E3 2018 version, hmm. arranged by Hideki Sakamoto. Mm-hmm. A guy who hasn't really composed whole games himself, but he's contributed to soundtracks like Yakuza 2 oh. and 428 Shibuya Scramble, a game that I'm very excited about. Okay. I really love that theme. Like, it, it just has a good sound to it. It's very smashy. Very smashy. And then when the site launched, it also had the main theme from Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. arranged by Yoshino Aoki, uh, someone that's done music for the Mega Man Battle Network and Star Force games. Which is interesting because, you know, obviously Yoshino has some range. The Battle Network soundtrack is very different from what you wound up doing for the Breath of the Wild main yeah. theme. Yeah, they uh, they make it sound very, like, epic and bombastic. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's cool. It's probably actually my least favorite of the themes we're going to discuss. But mm-hmm. I, 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 like, the worst music on that site right now is still pretty good. Right, yes. Uh, one of my favorites, actually that was there on pretty much day one was a version of Vega's theme from Street Fighter 2 rearranged by Yoko Shimamura, the original composer of Vega's theme. Uh, Yoko Shimamura is known for the Kingdom Hearts series these days yes. and, you know, a variety of, of other RPG franchises. But one of, one of the first games that she ever composed for was Street Fighter 2. She never went back to the Street Fighter franchise after that. She right. didn't compose for Street Fighter 3 or 4 or whatever. But she made that first batch of, like, 12 themes for Street Fighter 2. Like, Ryu's theme, Guile's theme. Mm-hmm. These iconic themes were made by Yoko Shimomura, which is a fun fact that I don't think a lot of people know. 
And what's particularly funny about Daniel liking this theme is that if you know him as a Street Fighter player, he hates fighting Vega. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just whenever I have a character that I main, it's always a bad matchup with Vega. Right. For whatever reason, Vega's always able to just jump over my shit and uh, mess me up. However, Vega's theme remix for this game sounds like if Vega was a boss in a Kingdom Hearts game. Yes, it's it's very, very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Also, there is the Brinstar Depths theme from Metroid. There's also the Brinstar Depths. There's also the Brinstar Depths. <laughs> There's also the Brinstar Depths. <laughs> I'm having trouble saying the word depths. Uh... <laughs> There's also the Brinstar Downstairs theme. <laughs> but... That classic Metroid theme. I love when Samus goes downstairs to Brinstar. By Yasushi... By Yasushi Asada. I'm sorry, it's not that funny, but it actually is really funny. <laughs> uh, theme by Yasushi Asada. They made music for Castlevania Judgment. Okay. Which one was Castlevania Judgment? The is that fighting the fighting oh, game? No. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of thing where like, that's like if you've been in the theater troupe on a cruise line. It's the kind of thing that you'd like to keep off of your resume. <laughs> you know, like, no, 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 I never did that. <laughs> However, the Brainstorm Depths theme. Oh, I said it okay that wow, time. Wow, look at that. I just needed to stop thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, it's like when how Benedict Cumberbatch can't say penguins. Have you ever seen that video? <laughs> no. He did a nature documentary, and there's this like five minute clip of him pronouncing penguins as penguins it's like these are red crested penguins <laughs> <laughs> oh boy anyway yeah anyway the brainstorm depths remix is really good it's got this very cool techno like badass sound to it that i like a lot yes uh bomb rush blush from splatoon remixed by tamoya otani a guy known for a lot of tracks in the modern Sonic the Hedgehog series. This, I should say, is my favorite of the remixes. It's, it sounds real it's, good. It's so Sonic-y. Yeah, it's, man, yeah. it's funky as hell. I really love it. It's awesome. And finally, actually, the day before we recorded this, they uploaded Noisy Notebook, uh, a track from Snipper Clips by Maki Kirioka, the composer for Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, I should note, as a Metal Gear Solid fan, that Maki Kirioka is a composer for Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh, okay. The primary composer was Harry Gregson Williams, who actually is uh, the composer for a number of like films. Oh, well, dang. He didn't really get into video games until okay. Hideo Kojima sweet-talked him, I guess. Oh, well, how about that? But yes, uh, Maki Kirioka, I guess, was a contributing composer, and uh, this theme is catchy. Yeah, I like. I actually dig it a lot. It, it's got a good sound to it. Um, you know, I'd probably rank it like upper middle out of mm -hmm. all these themes. Definitely very different from the Metal Gear soundtrack. Oh which yeah, is cool. absolutely. But yeah, those of you that are listening and unaware that like new music from Smash Bros is regularly getting put on that site, uh, definitely go check that out. It's, yes. they're all so good. I guess, of course, if you, if you want all these themes to be new and surprising when you unlock them in my music on December 7th, mm -hmm. then, you know, by all means do that. But for those of you like like myself and Sean that are thirsty for any bit of new information you can find, it looks like they might be uploading new tracks every Tuesday. All the times that they've uploaded music so far have been on a Tuesday night in America. Right. So like Wednesday morning, 
in Europe and Wednesday afternoon in Japan. Mm-hmm. They've been on a Tuesday and they have not missed a Tuesday since that website opened up. So And they haven't let us down yet. Yes. So we might be talking about two new themes that have been revealed every episode I'm for okay a while. With this. Yeah, I'm okay with this too. I love uh just listening to video game soundtracks and seeing what they have to offer. Uh I'm I'm just a sucker for that stuff. And it's especially fun to see a lot of these composers kind of either stepping out of their comfort zone or giving a song that they've never worked with before their signature flair. Yes. It's one of my favorite things about Smash consistently is the soundtrack. Yeah. So Man. I will I will look forward to new releases for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that out of the way, our episode this time is Pokemon. And we may not be talking about all 1,049 Pokemon that currently exist. That's not the number. I don't know what the number is. Uh, it's 800-something. However, we are going to be talking about a lot of Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, we sure are. Here on A Smashing Theory, we like to make predictions about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the upcoming Smash Bros. game. That is true. We like to talk about new characters that will be in the roster, and we go franchise by franchise, or sometimes company by company. Right. Uh, but we also like when we talk about these franchises to look at the history of these franchises within Smash Bros. Like we right. go, we look at their representation in past Smash Bros. games, and we look at playable characters, we look at stages, we look at Pokeballs uh, and assist trophies. And in past episodes, we we would decide whether or not these characters were coming back. Some of the mystery is gone on that level, but uh, it's I think it's still worth looking at this history because now we can talk about how we think these characters will change mm-hmm. and and uh, whether a certain assist trophies or pokeballs will get promoted to playable. Right. I think there's I think there's still a lot of reasons to to look at these franchises and their Smash Bros. past, mainly because it's it's fun to do and I like talking about this stuff. Well, that's why we're doing this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to do, and you like talking about stuff. <laughs> this stuff in particular. With uh, that in mind, is there a particular poke topic you'd like to discuss first? Well, as always, we should start with characters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as always, we'll start with our veteran characters, right. and Pokemon has a lot of them. Uh, it has either seven or nine, depending on how you want to count it. <laughs> And uh, Sakurai is counting it as seven, and I have some thoughts about that. Okay. Uh, But first, let's go character by character. Right. So in Smash Bros. 64, we got Pikachu. Yes. The OG. The original guy. (laughs) I was trying to think of, like, original something mouse, original, I don't know, couldn't think of anything. The original gnawing thing. I guess he does do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you call Pikachu the original guy, um, because in Smash Bros. Ultimate, you can select either male or female versions of Pikachu. That is true. Uh, there are some Pikachus That's you can Pikachu. play. true. <laughs> oh, there's some Pikachus now where you can play as them with a little notch in their tail, uh, right. and that's that signifies that they are a girl. Which is not something that I knew until this Smash game got announced. <laughs> <laughs> that physical feature got introduced in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl oh. when they started doing some gender differences for Pokemon. Uh, the dumbest one was probably Wobbuffet getting lipstick when it's a girl. Yeah, of course. They should just like throw a wig on, too. <laughs> um, 
but you know, Pikachu uh, in, in his original Smash incarnation was Fat Pikachu. Was like you know, like <laughs> uh, Pikachu used to have like much like much more like stout proportions. You know, yeah. used to, he was a pudgy poke. Yeah, I, I actually loved that design. It was very cute. Well, you know, uh, the reason that he slimmed down is he learned Quick Attack for Melee. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Run, running around like that. That that would be really cute. Except Quick Attack is his up B, and he's all and ah, he's shit, always it. had it. So wait, well, what's what's his what's his side B? Skull Bash. Oh yeah, okay. I don't actually care about Pikachu or ever play as him or her. So that's why I didn't know <laughs> that. There you go. Uh, he <laughs> used Quick Attack so much during Smash sixty four that by the time Melee rolled around, he'd slim down. Oh, hey, <laughs> a little bit. It's it's funny. Like the like the later in Pokemon's lifespan has gone, like, the the smaller Pikachu's gotten. That's because he's used Quick Attack more <laughs> and more. You're really sick into Throughout this one. Throughout the history uh, of the franchise. You're really sick into this one. And, uh, yes. So <laughs> when uh, Smash Ultimate comes out, he will actually be dead. <laughs> anyway, Pikachu doesn't need too many changes, I think, and I haven't really mentioned many changes for Pikachu. Yeah, he's one, fine. Yeah, one one of the main things being that his Final Smash has been streamlined, like Final Smashes are streamlined in Ultimate now. Right. Uh, now he just automatically, uh, you know, zips around the stage with electricity uh, really quickly and knocks knocks a bunch of people out. That's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, it, it was always really awkward to control Volt's tackle, which is mm-hmm. what the... Which is what it was called. It was always really awkward to control that in Brawl and Four, so it's it's cool that it's less crappy now. I agree. I actually always had trouble controlling all of <laughs> the final smashes that kind of allowed you to move around as a new kind of character. Yeah. Like I could never hit anybody with Charizard. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, you know, Super Sonic was considered really good. I could never hit like he moves so quickly. Very sensitive, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So so I'm glad that across the board simplification, I'm completely fine with that. Jigglypuff was also in Smash sixty four as a hidden character. Right. And Jigglypuff is our first and a really great example of something I'm going to bring up later when we talk about new additions. Mm-hmm. In that new additions from the Pokemon franchise to Smash Brothers always seem to be based on what the anime is doing ah. and and on that character's popularity in the anime. Jigglypuff was a great example of this. Jigglypuff is a completely unimportant character in the grand <laughs> scheme of the video game series. Uh-huh. Jigglypuff is just a Pokemon you can catch and... They can sing, and they're a normal type. I was and... gonna say, not even a very good Pokemon on the whole, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, they're they're Jigglypuff. That's that's it. Right. However, in the anime, Jigglypuff was one of the most popular characters. Sort of this running gag character who would show up, sing a song for the main cast, and then the main cast would fall asleep. Jigglypuff would get angry and draw on their face with marker and run off. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. And she is one of my favorite characters in the franchise. <laughs> she has always been one of my mains or my off main. Mm-hmm. And because she has that attack where she has this attack called rest where you press down B and she falls asleep. When Smash 64 first came out, everyone was like, why is this attack useless? It does nothing. Right. This this is a garbage character. And then people discovered that if you hit rest right next to someone it's a very peculiar it's a very specific hitbox but if you're like sort of overlapping someone if if your opponent is touching the center of jigglypuff's hitbox mm-hmm. when she uses rest 
you connect an attack with the most knockback in the game. <laughs> and they just go flying. It was like a one-hit KO in Smash 64, I think. Right. And depending on the game, Jigglypuff is either very powerful for that reason or nearly bottom tier because they keep adjusting Jigglypuff's hitbox right. to try to make her have that ability and not be broken at the same time. Uh, I think she's really good in melee, as the pro player Hungrybox can attest to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's really bad in Brawl, and I think I think maybe she was good in 4 until there were some balance patches, and now she's bad. Okay, I'm not sure about that. Jigglypuff competitive fans can can correct me on that if if they like and then we'll talk about it on corrections in our next episode yeah but yeah jigglypuff's great we didn't really get jigglypuff changes in that e3 direct right but uh but videos and footage of her have shown that she still has the same final smash that she had in smash 4 and brawl where she gets really really big and then she deflates (laughs) i hope that jigglypuff is good in this game i always like it when jigglypuff's good Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> I have to assume that she spices up the pro scene by her very presence. Yes. Yeah. Um. Then in Melee, we got a couple more reps. The first of which is Pichu. Yes, Notorious Pichu. So near the end of Smash Bros. Melee's development, Sakurai wanted to sort of beef up their roster a little bit, add add some more unlockable characters, and really his his options were to either make like one brand new character or to make several derivative characters that had movesets that were heavily based off of existing ones. Right. Uh, he decided to do that. Uh, so, you know, we got Ganondorf from Captain Falcon. We got, um, Dr. Mario, right? Yeah. We got Dr. Mario. Uh, we got Roy out of Marth Mm -hmm. and we got Pichu from Pikachu. And the difference between Pichu and Pikachu is I think Pichu's a little faster, right? a little lighter, and hurts itself when it uses electricity attacks. <laughs> and Funnily enough, that doesn't quite balance the little faster thing out. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Pichu's one of the best examples of a joke character. Like, right. it, it, Yeah, Pichu was never meant to have any competitive viability. Uh, they're like triple Z tier, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, they're not good. They're not supposed to be good. Uh, so it's funny now that Smash has a bit more of an awareness of the Smash competitive scene, and they take balance a little more seriously. It's funny that Pichu's back, and it hurts itself when it uses electricity again. Right. Uh, I feel like Pichu, even Pichu will probably have things that make it a bit more viable this time. I feel like maybe its attacks will be stronger. It'll be more of like a glass cannon character. Okay. Um, I like that prediction. Yeah. That's... That's the vibe I get with Pichu. It's it's obviously amazing that we're even talking about this. You know, we're we're doing the Pokemon episode after the main reveal of Smash Bros. Ultimate, but right. I think it's you know, I, I think being honest, it's safe to say that I never would have predicted this in a million years. Same. And I would not, yeah. I definitely if we did the Pokemon episode beforehand, I would not have predicted Pichu, for sure. I would have gotten that wrong. But it's it's great that Pichu's here. It's really funny. That when when I saw Pichu in that E3 direct, like that that was like I could just see the curveball being thrown at me, you know? It's just like, <laughs> wow, I have been surprised. Right, right. Uh, not for the last time, but that was like the first, like, oh wow, yeah, holy shit. 
obviously Snake had that effect as well. But yeah, Pe- Peach is back now. I'll be interested to see how that goes. Me too. But also in Melee, a character I think more people were asking for to return is Mewtwo. Yes, a very popular pick among my middle school friends. I love A lot of Mewtwo mains. Yeah, I was really into Mewtwo. It's funny, I loved that Mewtwo was in the game. I didn't really play Mewtwo much. Mm-hmm. He had a very slow, methodical playstyle that doesn't jive with how I play fighting games. Fair. But his playstyle is great, and I'm glad that he's he's there, and his kit's really cool. Like, you know, he has Disable and Confusion, and, like, it's funny, I still think his character design is great. Like. Mm-hmm. 22 years after I've seen him for the first time. Not for sure. It's like they took Mew and stretched it out, in a, <laughs> but in a cool way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, Mew2 still has Spinal Smash from when he was a DLC in Smash 4. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think it's it's worth noting, right? I, I should mention that, like, you know, Pikachu obviously came back for every game. Jigglypuff actually... Uh, obviously came back for every game. Right. Uh, <clears throat> right. This Ultimate is Pichu's first appearance since Brawl and 4, and Mewtwo was in Melee, sat out Brawl, right. and then was added to 4 as its first DLC character. So, you know, I think some people were worried. I, I definitely, like, would have been really sad if Mewtwo sat this game out again, if this wasn't a game where every character returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm very glad that, you know, Mewtwo's here. Me too. Um, Haha. Me too. Ha-ha. So, so, Ha-ha. so in Smash Bros. Brawl. Yep. We got a couple, couple more newcomers, or did we get four more newcomers? <laughs> so the first character that got revealed as a newcomer, and definitely one that sort of blindsided me. I never saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Was the Pokemon trainer? Yes. The Pokemon trainer being. Uh, sort of three characters in one. The Pokemon trainer uh, himself sort of watches the battle from the background. He, right. He stands on the sidelines and cheers on one of his three Pokemon. Uh, Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard, who he could switch between by pressing down B. Right. Uh, it was basically, yeah, three-in-one transformation character. Uh, Squirtle was was, like, very small and fast and... Uh, you know, use some very cool, like, smash attacks that involve, like, splashing water up and, you know, he could shoot water out of his mouth and, like, sort of ride this waterfall up as his up B. I like Squirtle a lot, actually. Yeah, Squirtle's cool. Ivysaur was one of the only quadruped characters you can play as in Smash Bros. Maybe the only one so far? Uh, yeah, maybe. And use its plant attacks and its vines Ivysaur utilizes one of the mechanics called tether recovery, where right. you sort of shoot the vine out and, and grab the ledge with that. That sort of got phased out in four, probably for the better. Mm-hmm. And Charizard, of course, uh, shooting flames and just being real big and hitting real hard and being awesome. Yes. In Brawl, if you had one Pokemon up for too long, it would get weaker and, and shittier. Mm-hmm. So you had to, you know, you had to swap between them in sequence. You couldn't just main one of the three Pokemon. You had to cycle through them and utilize each one at a time that worked best for it. Right. Then in Smash Bros. 4, Sakurai was working on the game for the 3DS and realized that it didn't have enough horsepower to do the transformation mechanic. Mm-hmm. And really, the Wii barely did. Like, I sure. remember you would like hit down B to transform the character, and uh, you'd sit there for <laughs> like 
a good 10 seconds while the game was clearly loading your next character. Right. So I guess it was even worse on the 3DS, but they didn't even bother. They split long-standing transformation characters like Zelda and Sheik into their own characters. Mm-hmm. So the Pokemon trainer definitely didn't come back, and Charizard instead just appeared as a standalone character with a new down B called Rock Smash that was really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of of two minds about Pokemon Trainer returning for Smash Ultimate because one of my mains in Smash 4 wound up being Charizard and 60% of that was because Rock Smash is great. Yeah. Like it gives you armor. So if you're like kind of in a vulnerable situation, like if you're coming back to a ledge or something and you know that someone is about to hit you, you can do Rock Smash and take the damage but not get knocked away and hit them instead. Yeah. It's fantastic. And And if that is not preserved, which I'm assuming it won't be, you know, now that Charizard is a part of the Pokemon trainer team again, I just won't have access to that move anymore, and that kind of sucks. Right. So, yes, Pokemon trainer is back in Smash Bros. Ultimate as all three characters. Yes. Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard are, are now, like, transformation characters again. And, yes, changing characters is... A down B again, mm-hmm. and Charizard is confirmed to no longer have Rock Smash. Which is a shame. On the flip side, they also removed the mechanic where their abilities decay the longer they're out. Now they're just three characters that stay as good as they are that you can swap between. Okay. So you could just main Squirtle, Ivysaur, or Charizard by themselves if you want, and just have access to those characters in the situation where you need them. You just have like You just have, like, three pretty good characters uh, to use in a single match now, which is cool, and I'm wondering wondering if we'll see, like, a competitive Pokemon trainer, like, in the Hmm. meta, you know? That'd be interesting. I I personally, like, I mean, obviously anything could happen when I pick up the game. It could turn out that I really like Pokemon trainer. Yeah. My instinct is that I'm probably just going to be dropping Charizard, which is too bad, but them's the breaks. Right. It's, It's funny that all the transformation characters other than Pokemon Trainer, have stayed separate characters. Right. And I think I have a theory as to the reason for that. Mm-hmm. So so Pokemon Veterans, we have a total of seven characters when Pokemon Trainer only takes up one character slot. Mm-hmm. If Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard each had their own character slot, that's nine Pokemon characters. That means with Veterans alone, they outnumber Mario as a franchise. Right. Currently, and even if Mario adds Captain Toad and doesn't count Captain Toad as a spin-off franchise, or you know, adds any other Mario character, I'm I'm guessing we'll get a maximum of one more Mario character. Mm-hmm. Even if they do that, then it's nine and nine without Pokemon adding any more characters, right? Right, and I feel I just get this feeling like Smash Bros always wants to have the highest number of characters representing a franchise to be Mario. That that number can be tied with other franchises, but they always want Mario to have the most characters. That makes sense. Yeah. So what this tells me is that he wants the total amount of Pokemon slots on the character select screen to be seven because Sakurai wants to add more Pokemon characters. Right. And this is why we're having this episode because I think there are new characters to predict for the Pokemon franchise. Right. But for now, we still have a couple of old characters to talk about. We do. Brawl also introduced Lucario. Lucario. Yes. Love the way the announcer says that. (laughs) And again, uh, we have a character 
that in his debut in Diamond and Pearl was like a cool little like sort of Pokemon that could get gifted to you by an NPC. Right. Uh, but his big deal was that he had an anime movie dedicated to him. <laughs> uh, one that came out uh, during the development of Brawl, believe it or not. Wow, who would have thought? Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, Mewtwo is a big deal in both the anime and the and the games. Right. Uh, really, the the one character that sort of was a decision based on, on the games instead of the anime was the Pokemon trainer themselves. You know, they... Oh, one one cool thing I forgot to mention about Pokemon Trainer is in Ultimate, uh, they can be a boy or a girl now. You you can play as the design for Red or the design for Leaf. That is a nice change. Yeah. You could say they're turning over a new Leaf. Oh! <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Pokemon Trainer was definitely released because Fire Red and Leaf Green mm-hmm. were a thing during Brawl's development. But you could also argue that that one of the reasons that they're put in the game is because Ash was going to Kanto right. in the anime at the time, so they wanted a good reason to have some Kanto starters in there. Sure. Anyway, yeah, that uh, they were the Fire Red Leaf Green rep. Uh, Lucario was there for Gen 4, and Lucario's cool. I like Lucario a lot. Lucario's got this mechanic where the more damage he's taken the better his moves are right uh cool this cool momentum character this cool high risk high reward character where you can really dish out some meaty stuff uh when you're on the brink of dying yourself i didn't play a lot of like ranked smash 4 but i did a a little when it came out right and one thing that i definitely remember about that time period is that i always found lucario consistently very frustrating to fight Hmm. because you you know his damage is really high you think i've got to hit him one more time and i'm going to knock him out and then i'm going to win and then he's unstoppable yeah because he's taken so much damage that his abilities are so good that it's like what are you gonna do yeah and i'm i mean you know i'm i'm not like I'm sure I sound salty. I'm not trying to be. Like, I'm sure that there's kind of a workaround there that I just wasn't doing. Right. Uh, but it's definitely kind of when you're first stepping into the competitive community for the first time, that seems very unfair. Right. I think that sort of the thing about even when Lucario's abilities are at their best, you are still taking risks by using them. You are still leaving yourself open. Sure. Yeah, I, I really like his design a lot. and I think he's really cool, and I'm glad he's back. Me too. Finally... In Smash 4, we got just one newcomer, mm-hmm. Greninja. Now, speaking of me enjoying the way that the announcer says certain things, <laughs> when you select Greninja in Smash 4, he goes, Greninja, <laughs> as though like he was revealing to you a deep, dark secret about Pokemon. <laughs> and I just love that. Whoever does the announcer voice for Smash 4, A+. plus. I think it's Xander Mobis. Okay. The voice of Joker in Persona 5. Oh, wow. I'm going to steal your heart, Greninja. (laughs) (laughs) Greninja's really cool. I really liked Greninja's reveal trailer where they sort of trolled you uh, (laughs) and made it seem like Mewtwo was about to get revealed. Right. You know, they they show you, like, the webbed appendages and sort of this mysterious... uh, you could make an argument that that's a Mewtwo silhouette right there. But it's not Mewtwo. It's Greninja. So how, how many more times? Greninja. Do you get... All right. Yeah, I, I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> believe me or not. Whatever you want, man. 
So Greninja. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this has got you know really cool, very uh, Sakurai's been overnighting <laughs> episodes of Naruto. Yes. Move set. Yeah. Like, he's sure. got that water shuriken and like he's got that substitution move. <laughs> uh. Where, you know, there's substitute, substitute is an actual move in Pokemon, but it felt very like substitution jutsu, mm-hmm. you know? I liked Greninja's moveset and design a lot, even though I didn't play him very much, because he requires kind of a little more finesse than I'm really capable of putting out. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, he's a very cool character, and yeah. I'm looking forward to his return. Yeah, me too. Uh, so that's all the veterans, but... <laughs> In an average episode, we would talk about assist trophies mm-hmm. that a franchise has had in Smash Bros. past. But instead of the assist trophy item for Pokemon characters, there's an item called the Pokeball. Which actually predates the assist trophy. It predates the assist trophy. It's been around since Smash Bros. 64. And therefore, 80 different Pokemon have been Pokeballs in the Smash Bros. franchise so far. Now... Those of you at home are, of course, not able to see the outline that Daniel has made for this episode. So let me just give you a visual here. You're scrolling down and you think, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. You know, we've made it through all the characters. That's fine. Then you get to the veteran Pokeballs section and two pages later, you're done. <laughs> two, one of the, so it's it's really like a half a page a page and then a half a page. That means that an entire page just spans Pokemon 18 to Pokemon 60. Yeah, there's a lot of Pokemon to talk about. So. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, uh, so I'm going to put some guidelines for this segment of the podcast. Okay, lay them on me. All right. So. One of the reasons I have you on as a co-host, Sean, is because you're really good at turning information I give you into discussion topics and sort of riffing on what I say really well. Thank you. For each Pokeball that I state, uh, you are limited to five-word responses. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I will give you three instances in which you can have extended discussion okay. of something when for when you really want... Uh, for when you really want to tell a story or or say something about a Pokemon. I'm also going to give myself three instances of extended discussion. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're allowed to basically go off topic a total of six times for this segment. And, and other than that, five-word responses or less. You really sprung this on me, but I'm actually looking forward to it. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> All right. So, it's Smash Brothers 64. Our, our first Pokemon is Beedrill. Uh, use the move takedown. Basically, like a bunch of beedrills, like sort of swarm the screen and like, uh, like fly to the left and like hit whoever's in the way. Sixty four was the only game they appeared in. Ooh, those bees are buzzing. Those bees. Ooh, those bees are buzzing. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, then Blastoise debuted in sixty four. It uses Hydro Pump. It was also a Pokeball Pokemon in Melee before not appearing as a Pokeball in any other game. Two guns, one turtle. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ch- Chansey was in Smash Bros. 64. It had the move Soft Boiled, where it threw out a bunch of eggs that you could eat. It also appeared in Melee and then was phased out as a Pokeball Pokemon. Chansey! 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 <laughs> Ch- 
<laughs> it's, uh, Charizard was in Smash 64. It used its uh, trademark flamethrower move. Uh, it was also in Smash Brothers Melee as a Pokeball before Pokemon Trainer showed up and Charizard has been a playable character ever since. Used to play, now no. <laughs> <laughs> then Clefairy used Metronome and it uh, basically would... Metronome is this random attack in Pokemon where uh, you use it and then any attack in the series gets randomly used afterwards. So Clefairy uses like one of three to five different moves whenever it's called out. It was also in Smash Bros. Melee and then it and then it stopped being used. Metronomes. Useful in composing. Pokemon. <laughs> I, he, he like holds his hand up to like show, show the amount of words that he's used. Goldine debuted in Smash Bros. 64. And you call it out and it uses splash. It just splashes uselessly on the screen like it does in Pokemon. And basically you've just wasted a Pokeball. Like that's like... That's like you rolling a natural one on your d20. Uh, I'm going to use my one of my extended discussions for this because I think it's really interesting. Does this mean that I also get to talk normally? Yes, okay, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting that Goldeen is the Smash... Oh, I should also mention that Goldeen has been in every Smash Bros. game, including Ultimate. It's confirmed that Goldeen is a Pokeball Pokemon in Ultimate that just, like, flops around uselessly. And okay. I think it's really interesting that Goldeen has that role in Smash, because in the Pokemon franchise, it's Magikarp who does that, and and I don't think Goldeen can even learn Splash. <laughs> Having said that, if you dig a fish out of water, it's going to splash around. <laughs> so I guess that's what happens to poor Goldeen. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair, but I feel like... Oh, yeah. I, I guess it's funny, like, this big old list of Pokemon, there aren't really any fish. Right. Yeah. It'd be really funny if, like, there was an underwater level in Smash, and if you happened to get Goldeen in that level in particular, it would do something useful. Oh, man. Because it could actually swim around. That, that'd be so weird and specific that I wouldn't put it past Sakurai. Exactly. Um, okay. Smash Bros. 64 uh, also had Hitmonlee, uh, who would do his move Jump Kick, he'd... He'd go like, yay, 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 and then he'd jump forward uh, with his leg outstretched and smack who's ever, whoever's in the way. My favorite fighting Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was uh, surprised you didn't uh, use an extended discussion for that one. He, he shakes his head because he's out of words. <laughs> uh, coughing debuts in Smash 64, uses smog, just sort of like stands in one place and uh, and shoots out purple smoke in a small radius. That does damage. 64 was Coughing's first appearance, and we haven't seen Coughing as a Pokeball Pokemon since. I'd like to play my extended discussion card for Coughing, just to mention that for a long time, he was one of my favorite parts of the animated series. <laughs> like, he's Coughing! Just, right, like, he's just this really goofy Pokemon that hangs around with James, and to me, he always kind of seemed like... So there's there's this kind of very very old comedy duo laurel and hardy and uh, yeah. a lot of laurel and hardy movies uh that i would watch with my dad when i was a kid huh. and to me he just kind of always seemed like the sort of portly character in that comedic relationship <laughs> you know like ekans and coughing were kind of right. like the laurel and hardy of that franchise interesting and so i've just always appreciated his uh 
inclusion, I think that he's kind of inherently a really funny Pokemon. Okay. Uh, so I have a soft spot for coughing. He always does have that dumb, doofy expression. On his <laughs> right. Face. The kind yeah. of like like grimace from McDonald's, you know, like that kind of grin. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so I hope coughing comes back. Nice. Not cool. counting on it, but it'd be nice. All right. Cool. We have we have two. We have up to two extended discussions left each. Meowth debuted in Smash Bros. 64 and uses Payday. He just sort of stands in place and shoots out a bunch of coins in front of him. Uh, he showed up in Smash 64. Then he was not a Pokeball Pokemon in Melee. Then he showed up again in Brawl and has been in every Smash Bros. game as a Pokeball Pokemon since. He was in 4, and he's confirmed to be a Pokeball Pokemon in Ultimate. Team Rocket! Meow, that's right! <laughs> <laughs> uh uh mew is uh mew shows up in smash Bros. 64 and basically mew was basically just kind of like the easter egg pokemon basically like you throw it out it shows up and you get like an achievement in the game for calling out mew at all like in some games i think you get like just a huge point bonus for for calling out mew um, you just like sits on the screen and then flies away. Uh, it has been in every Smash Bros. game. Uh, someone even managed to call out uh, during some Smash Bros. Ultimate gameplay. Egyptian Mew, cool movie promotion. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Onyx in Smash Bros. sixty four, uh, sort of like you know, flies around the screen using Rock Slide. Uh, throwing down some rocks, hitting you with them. Has not made any other Pokeball appearances since Smash Bros. 64. Big rock snake. Good shit. <laughs> these are these are almost like like truncated haikus. <laughs> it's like a haiku, but it's too short. <laughs> uh, Snorlax. Now, I think everyone knows... What Snorlax does, if they've ever played a Smash Bros. game, Snorlax shows up. He he jumps up and then he 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 comes back down like three <laughs> times as big, just hitting everyone in his path. Uh, he has been in every Smash Bros. game, and for good reason. I think he's a really iconic thing. Snorlax. Hmm. Uh, were the snoring noises words? Okay, you, you nod. Okay, great. <laughs> and the last Pokeball Pokemon that debuted in Smash Bros. 64 is Starmie, our 13th Pokeball Pokemon. Starmie shows up and uses Swift. It basically, like, floats around for a second and then, like, basically locks onto an opponent and shoots a bunch of stars at it. Just, like, racks up his percentage without doing a lot of knockback. Starmie only appeared in Smash Bros. 64 and was never a Pokeball Pokemon after that. Annoying to receive, great used. <laughs> nice. However, I'll uh, if you guys have been noticing, I've been doing this in alphabetical order per game, but I will go out of alphabetical order to point out that Staryu debuted in Melee and has the same function as Starmie. It uses Swift in that exact same way. Uh, and Staryu is the Pokemon that has been a Pokeball in every Pokemon game since, including Ultimate, doing what Starmie did in 64. It's like Starmie had a baby, and now the baby is in Smash Bros. 
sequel to Star Me. Still frustrating. <laughs> then Melee, we had Articuno uh, use Icy Wind. This big, like, icy screen-filling attack. Melee is the only game that Articuno has been a Pokeball in. Big Ice Bird. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Blossom made a debut in Melee uh, using Sweet Scent, which... Uh, which, unlike the move in the actual Pokemon games, makes the opponent fall asleep when Blossom lets it out. Really, the move should be called uh, Sleep Powder, but it's Sweet Scent instead. Blossom has been in Melee, and every Smash Bros. game since then, she is confirmed to be an ultimate. Surprisingly, among my favorite Pokemon. Uh. Mm-hmm. Celebi debuted in Melee, uh, and basically had the same function as Mew. Uh, it would appear, you know, do a little animation, fly off. You could get point bonuses for it, or, or like just like a you, you called out Celebi for the first time. Interestingly, uh, this only happened like after you unlocked every character, and and in Brawl, uh, calling out Mew or Celebi, uh, they would leave like a CD or a sticker or something for you to pick up and add to your collection. Celebi has been in Melee and Brawl. And then they they stopped having Celebi in there. Like in four, Mew is basically the only like the only legendary Pokemon of that kind they have filled that role. I'd like to use one of my thingies that lets me talk for a while. <laughs> yeah, your excited discussions. Yeah, yeah, two out of three. Okay. There is a Pokemon movie <laughs> where that features Celebi heavily as a plot point. Yeah, I think it's Pokemon Forever. I think okay. that's what the movie's called. God, what a title. Um, anyway, Celebi, toward the very beginning of the film, uses like a move or an ability that sends the cast back in time. Yeah. And <laughs> then it like cuts to someone way off in the distance. Yeah, uh, like basically like it, it lets out like this aura of green energy as it does it. Right. So it cuts to someone way off in the distance who sees this and then immediately without missing a beat says, is that time travel? <laughs> as though he can tell. It's a she. Visual, excuse me. As though she can tell <laughs> visually from a distance what time travel looks like without seeing anyone going back in time, disappearing. And uh, that's just one of my favorite things about the entire Pokemon franchise, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Couldn't do it in five words. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, uh, so let's see. Uh, Chikorita. Debuted in Melee, uses Razor Leaf. It just shoots a bunch of leaves forward. Uh, showed up in Brawl, and then has not been a Pokeball Pokemon since, so far. Uh, quick side note, it's worth, it's worth noting that uh, when I say they haven't been seen since... I should be saying they haven't been seen since to date because, of course, there's always a possibility that some of these Pokemon that have been retired for a while will show up again in, in Ultimate. So if I say they haven't been seen since, they're not confirmed to show up in Ultimate yet. That doesn't mean that they won't. But yes, Chikorita has not been seen since. In Pokemon Silver, my starter. Oh. Huh. Cyndaquil, my starter, was also in Melee. Uh, uses flamethrower by shooting the flames out of its back. Uh, only appeared in Melee and has not been seen as a Pokeball Pokemon since. If you like spikes, Cyndaquil. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Electrode made its Pokeball debut in Melee 
but it made its real debut as a stage hazard in Saffron City, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, Electrode uses explosion. It it uh it charges up and explodes. Uh, over time, they've sort of added more elements to Electrode in subsequent games. You can you can pick up Electrode and then like throw them at someone. I think they I think they remove that functionality later. Actually, there's a chance sometimes that Electrode will charge up, try to explode, and then fizzle out, uh, only to explode again, only to actually explode like three seconds later, uh, to sort of fake you out. Uh, Electrode has been in every game, has been in every Smash Bros. game, but it has been a Pokemon Pokemon since Melee, and is confirmed to be an Ultimate. Hey, I found item. <laughs> 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 uh, Entei uh, makes his debut in Melee, where he's fire spin. Entei is one of the legendary dogs from Gold and Silver, and he he sort of he's fiery. He looks majestic. He stands in place, and then there's just this pillar of fire shoots up from underneath him and does a lot of damage for anyone that uh, is unlucky enough to be in that attack range. He has been in every Smash Bros. game since, and he's confirmed to be an ultimate. Never could catch that bastard. <laughs> uh, Ho-Oh, the big rainbow bird, uh, uses sacred fire, big, just big range, nasty attack, uh, debuts in melee, shows up again as a Pokeball Pokemon in Brawl, and doesn't appear as a Pokeball Pokemon after that, uh, but does does sort of manage to cameo in other stages and stuff later, but we'll talk about that. Not as cool as Lugia. Speaking of Lugia, just happens to be next on the alphabetical list, uh, uses Aeroblast that debuts in Melee, and Lugia's been in every Smash Bros. game. Melee, Brawl, 4, confirmed to be an ultimate. Yeah, just doing its its Lugia thing. Much, much cooler than Ho-Oh. <laughs> uh, Marill, uh, the little blue Pokemon that people used to call Pika-Blue, and uh, maybe maybe some of our viewers aren't young enough to remember that, but I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, uses tackle, just sort of jumps forward. Never really very exciting to call out, and maybe that's why it only showed up in melee and has not been seen since. Tiny blue mouse guy, great. <laughs> <clears throat> Moltres the second of the three legendary birds from red, blue, and yellow, shows up and uses fly, basically like it stands in place for a bit, and then it flies up and sort of uh, takes takes anyone nearby with it and knocks them out. Uh, debuted in Melee, showed up in Brawl, showed up in 4. We have not seen it in Ultimate yet, but uh, but maybe we will. <laughs> Flaming bird, real, real hot. <laughs> Uh, Porygon 2 shows up in Melee, uses Tackle, it sort of like juts forward and like wiggles a bit. Uh, kind of whatever is a move, but yeah, uh, shows up in Melee, never seen as a Pokeball Pokemon again. Like Porygon, but less angular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Raikou, uh, the second of the legendary dogs, uh, uses Spark, just sort of, yeah, makes... Makes electric mess in a nearby area. He's in melee. He doesn't show up after that. 
Never could catch that bastard. <laughs> uh, Sizor uh, shows debuts in melee, like sort of like uses metal claw, like flies forward, like slashing. Um, badass design. It hasn't been seen until Ultimate. It returns in Ultimate as seen in, in various footage. Like it, it sat out Brawl, it sat out four, but it's back now. Claws slash. Life ends. Sleep. <laughs> uh, Suicune, the last of the legendary dogs, the, the icy one, um, uses Blizzard, sort of that, that close range, just lets out a bunch of ice, freezes opponents, um, in melee, but in, in Brawl 4 and Ultimate, it uses Aurora Beam instead, where it just shoots a big icy beam out of its mouth, uh, like across the whole screen. And as I've just demonstrated, it is, it has been in every Smash Bros. game since Melee. <sighs> Couldn't catch that refined lady. <laughs> now, Togepi debuts in Melee, and it also uses Metronome like Clefairy does. And I, I think it's basically like the same same set of attacks. Like Togepi was essentially a Clefairy skin, but maybe I got that wrong. Maybe it was a different set of metronome attacks. Either way, Togepi essentially replaces Clefairy after melee and shows up in Brawl and Four when Clefairy doesn't. Uh, we don't know whether Togepi's an ultimate yet, but I would I would stake I would say that he he will be. I won't attempt to imitate. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to use one of my extended discussions here. Okay. Uh, is it because you're going to try to imitate Togepi? No. <laughs> it's, well, maybe inevitably. <laughs> because I, uh, when I was a kid, uh, me and my younger sister, Lindsay, she's about three years uh, younger than me. Ah, yes, this Daniel family story. <laughs> uh, my dad, you know, bought me and Lindsay some Pokemon toys, uh, some... Some of those, like, electronic Pokemon toys where you, like, you could turn it on, you could flip a switch on their back, and you'd get to, like, hear their voice. Right. He, uh, he bought three. He bought a Charmander toy where, like, the tail lights up, and, like, you know, it goes, Charmander, char! Uh, a Meowth toy where he spoke with Meowth's Japanese voice. So you just hear, like, Uh, and Togepi. Who uh who you turn it on and he goes Bree, Togepi. Uh That was very that was very like Charles Martinet doing Mario doing an impression of Togepi. <laughs> it's a Bree, Togepi. Uh, <laughs> uh it wasn't really a big secret that Lindsay was the favorite of of <laughs> my father's, so not only did she get two of the Pokemon toys, even though I was the bigger Pokemon fan, she also got to pick which of those she wanted. <laughs> so even though I I was the one that was actively into Pokemon instead of her, and Charmander was my favorite. Right. She got the Charmander toy and the Togepi toy, and I got Meowth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, I loved having that one. That was, <laughs> boy, it was so good. Uh, but the thing about Togepi in particular was that, uh, was that Togepi was either voice or motion activated. <laughs> like, whenever, whenever you, uh, you either moved or like made noise near Togepi. Uh, it would, uh, as long as the switch was on, it would go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. I can't. I'm, 
I'm glad you didn't imitate Togepi because I sure can't. It was a wise decision. <laughs> I'm glad one of us is wise today. And we can never figure out which it was, whether it was like motion activated or, or noise activated. Uh, but eventually the battery started dying. So it would just be like, <laughs> like it just started to sound like, uh, like it was dying basically. And during that period, Lindsay decided to hide Togepi in one of our kitchen cabinets. So whenever dad would open any cabinet in the kitchen, Togepi would either react to the light being shown on it or the noise of the cabinet being opened and make like the noise. And we couldn't find Togepi for like a month. Uh, Good shit. So that was that was a month of my life in in that household. That's actually like an A plus little sister prank. Yeah, know? no, like, it's real good. Awesome. I'm I'm proud of her. I'm proud of past Lindsay. She she was that was that was great. Then in melee, unknown shows up, and basically, uh, th- those are like those that those weird black eyeball Pokemon that like make up all the letters. Unknown basically has the role that Beedrill does, and it uses takedown like it. Uh, like, unknown comes out of the Pokeball, and then 26 different unknown, like, fly across the screen and, and mess you up. Unknown was in Melee and never showed up since then. Unknown, the spelling bee Pokemon. Then Venusaur, uh, shows up in Melee, uses Earthquake, just basically, like, shakes an area around him, like, kicks up a bunch of dirt, I think. I think anyone unlucky enough to be nearby sort of gets caught in the ground for a second. Uh, shows up in Melee, never shows up after that. In Blue... Named Venusaur Wildflower. Aww. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Then Weezing shows up in Melee and does the same thing that Coughing does in Smash 64. Then it never shows up again. (laughs) Weezing, like Coughing, but more. (laughs) Wobbuffet is in Melee. Wobbuffet you know, does the cute thing where it stands in place and salutes, and it uses counter. Like, if you end up hitting Wobbuffet, it bounces back and forth and hits you back. Shows up in Melee, shows up in Brawl, and then actually doesn't show up after that. Wabba wabba! Boom boom! <laughs> I, I like that you're counting sound effects as words. You're, <laughs> like, I heard each distinct sound effect as its own word, and that's impressive. Good use of a mon- um, of Good use of onomatopoeia. Finally, in Melee, Zapdos uh, uses Thundershock, does, does sort of the same thing where it, it lets out, like, sort of this rotating, sort of this pinwheel of electricity that, like, rotates slowly uh, and catches its opponents in it. Shows up in Melee and never again. Lightning kills birds, not Zapdos. <laughs> Great. Uh, and... Sort of a behind-the-scenes pick, because this was never actually properly in the game, but people who sort of used an action replay on Melee found that Ditto was a Pokeball Pokemon in the game, and it was intended to be in really close uh, to the end of development, to the point that it actually shows up in some strategy guides, some official strategy guides. Hmm. Uh, The strategy guide states that Ditto is supposed to come out and transform into... Uh, one of your enemies and help you fight them but i guess that ended up being kind of a pain in the ass to code because not only was ditto cut from melee but the action replay version of ditto just wiggles around for two seconds before disappearing would have been cool too bad 
Too bad. Uh, so now we're we're getting into Pokemon that debuted in Brawl. Bonsly is the the first. Uh, was actually one of the first new Pokeball Pokemon to be revealed. Pseudowoodo's pre-evolution, basically just like a little wood baby. Uh, and Bonsly just sort of like sort of runs around, and I think it'll maybe tackle someone if that person's nearby. But one of the things you could do is pick up Bonsly and throw Bonsly at someone and do a lot of damage that way. Bonsly only showed up in Brawl and has not been seen since. Nothing to say about Bonsly. <laughs> Deoxys, the DNA Pokemon, sort of looking like a bunch of cool DNA strands. He was a legendary Pokemon. He shows up in Brawl and uses Hyper Beam. He like flies up into the air and shoots the Hyper Beam straight down. He has shown up in every Smash game since then. He shows up in four. He's confirmed to be an ultimate. I would like to use my third timeout extended chat for oh. Deoxys. Cool. To say that Pokemon as a franchise has some really excellent music yeah. running all the way through all the games. Yeah, yeah. Deoxys has far and away my favorite Pokemon battle theme. Hey. Great theme. Really epic Really makes me wish that that fight was more than, like, you throwing a Master Ball at him and ending it. <laughs> because it's just such a great battle theme. Yeah, no. Good use of your uh, your last uh, extended combo. It's funny, we're only, like, we're, we're, like, less than halfway through the list, and you've used your last one. Limited to five words now. <laughs> um, yeah, although since we're still in extended combo mode, I, I will add... That uh, I always thought Deoxys himself was really cool. I agree. I was, I was hoping that Deoxys would just be a playable character in Brawl, but he was just a Pokeball Pokemon instead. That would be great because there's so much you can do with him mechanically. Yeah, he could know? be like this cool like stance character. Exactly, like switch forms. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been so rad. And um, his music could be in the game. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's already been deconfirmed for ultimate. Not that he had a, a snowball's chance in Poke Hell uh, <laughs> these days anyway. Right. He's far from relevant these days. Unfortunately. Uh, Gardevoir debuts in Brawl. The tall green Pokemon wearing a dress. Uh, it creates sort of this blue circle around it. If you shoot a projectile out of that circle, it gets reflected back at you. Shows up in Brawl in 4. Doesn't show up in Ultimate. I'd be fine if it didn't, actually. I was never really a, a fan of that. Graceful psychic Pokemon destroys competition. Groudon, the big red legendary Pokemon from Ruby and Sapphire, uses Overheat. Things get red and intense around it and, and does a lot of damage and knockback to anyone nearby. He shows up in Brawl, and then we never see him again. Red, intense, powerful, strong love. What? <laughs> Gulpin makes his debut in Brawl. Uh, like, basically just a green, gross lump. <clears throat> uh, it, uh, it uses Swallow. Basically, it Vores, its <laughs> opponent. Oh, God. Uh, and then, like, spits them out after some damage gets done to them while they're in there. Uh, he never shows up after Brawl. Thank goodness. Can't vore you. Too gross. <laughs> Jirachi debuts in Brawl, does the Mew and Celebi thing where it flies off and leaves you some presents, only shows up in Brawl. And we don't see him after that because then Mew becomes the, you know, the mythical Pokemon. Uh, they decided not to 
do that for every generation, and I think that's a good call. Flew away after Brawl. Goodbye. All right. Uh, Kyogre, big legendary whale, flies around for a bit, then shoots out a hydro pump that is kind of like a long, consistent version of Mario's Flood that just, I've been knocked off the screen by Kyogre's hydro pump so often in my lifetime. Uh, He debuts in Brawl, and unlike Groudon, has shown up in every Smash Bros. since. Four, and confirmed to be an ultimate. Hydro pump, hydro stumps, Daniel. (laughs) Also, Latias and Latios, the sort of these two little, like, psychic bird legendaries from Ruby and Sapphire, show up and use Steel Wing, uh, which is basically kind of like the Katan Ana assist trophy. They, like, they show up and then they fly in X formations, uh, like, really quickly to sort of, like, catch you between them. They show up in Brawl 4 and Ultimate. Latios. Latias. Steel Wing. Shing! <laughs> Manaphy, uh, sort of the Mew of Diamond and Pearl, shows up but does not just fly away. Uh, it uses Heart Swap, uh, where it takes two characters near it and and basically swaps the players between them. Player 1 is Mario and Player 2 is Link. Suddenly, Player 1 is Link and Player 2 is Mario. And that happens for a short period of time before they swap back. Uh, but Manaphy has not appeared since Brawl. Manaphy? What kind of name is... <laughs> <laughs> Metagross. One of the cool-ass Pokemon from Ruby and Sapphire. Basically that big, like, blue metal spider thing. Uses Earthquake. Where it, uh, where it does, like, sort of stomp on the ground and, like, trap anyone in the ground that's near it. Shows up in Brawl, shows up in Four, shows up in Ultimate. Four feet stomping equals destruction. <laughs> and then Munchlax uh, debuts in Brawl and uses Pickup, uh, which basically means that Munchlax runs around the stage picking up any items that anyone hasn't and eating them. <laughs> <laughs> and then they eventually, like, leave without... Uh, giving you any of those items so you know just sort of a nuisance uh maybe that's why it has not shown up since brawl munchlags home (laughs) (laughs) i want to comment on a lot of these things you're doing but i also want to like follow my own rule (laughs) 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 piplup piplup makes their debut in brawl they just go piplup, piplup, and then they surf across the screen, uh, carrying anyone with them that gets caught in their path. They only show up in Brawl. They have not been seen in 4 or Ultimate. So far. Diamond. Pearl. The worst Pokemon. All right, how many fucking... <laughs> there are there any Pokemon that I want to wait to... Uh, hmm... Hoist by your own petard. <laughs> you know fucking what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use my I'm gonna use my fucking discussion here. Okay. I love Diamond and Pearl's Pokemon. Okay. To be clear, because I just had five syllables there, I didn't mean that Diamond and Pearl had the worst Pokemon in it. Okay. I meant that objectively, Diamond and Pearl are the worst Pokemon games in the mainline franchise. And you know, I can see where you're coming from there. Damn it! I've wasted my. <laughs> 
I was so ready to defend like some of the great designs in that. Like the Turtwig line is amazing. Yeah, no, there's some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. like Chim. I love Chimchar and all Chimchar of in particular yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, man, and Fernape was dope as hell. Uh, yeah, like you know, like Gen Four had Lucario, who I genuinely think is cool and. Um, I think that I just like, you know, I played red and blue and liked it. I played gold and silver and loved it. And then I checked out from Pokemon until Diamond and Pearl when I saw that they were out. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, let's let's get back in here. Yeah. Let's see what's been going on. And as it turned out, in terms of gameplay, not a lot had been going on. <laughs> uh, the, the franchise was still very similar to what it had been yeah. prior to me, you know, last playing it. Yeah. You know, to be fair, it did add some very, it added like at least one very major addition to the meta which was that they split up the way right. that physical and special attacks worked now each attack was either physical or special like on a case-by-case basis instead of every fire attack is special even if it's fire fang uh which is you know which should be physical uh i have like every uh every normal attack is physical even if it's hyper beam you know uh they they finally changed that for uh the fourth generation and i think that uh, that worked for the better, but largely I, I do agree that it seems to make the most, the least major changes of any generation. I agree with that. And yeah, like like that is a cool change, but it is kind of like a almost like a behind the scenes kind of thing. It isn't really in your face, you know. Yeah, it's almost like I don't know, like going to an art museum and the curator comes up to you and says, "Oh, Master Thorson, welcome back." You'll be pleased to know that instead of arranging the paintings alpha by author, they are now arranged by theme. <laughs> like at the end of the day, they're all still there. I guess as someone that has always like played, that has always been had his nose very close to Pokemon as a franchise, right. like I really noticed that. Like you know, like like it was like suddenly Kingler, like a Pokemon in Gen One, always kind of sucked because he had super high attack, but really low special right and you couldn't you couldn't use any water moves really and get the type advantage off of that because he has like 20 special attack and all of his water moves suck even if he's a water pokemon suddenly you have some physical water moves and he uses and and crab hammer is a physical attack now right and he can wreck with it you know like suddenly like attack oriented pokemon with a special type or vice versa are much more viable and that was cool to see. I was I, I was into it, and really, I was just happy that I could use a Kingler that didn't suck. I loved Kingler. Ah, oh, but Master Thorson, don't go, for you see, now Adelbert Kingler's paintings are in the water section. Please <laughs> come back! But no, that is actually a really cool change. I, I just wanted to do that voice more. I like how secretly this ended up being an extended discussion for you to keep <laughs> roasting Diamond and Pearl. This, this was a this was a trap, and I fell for it. Trap sprung. Now you lose. Oh, <laughs> this just made my throat do a weird thing. <laughs> huh. So, now we're both out of extended discussions. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. All right, five-word responses from here on out. Mm-hmm. chick debuts in Brawl. The little cute fire chicken from Ruby and Sapphire does fire spin, sort of sort of like a baby version of what Entei does. Uh, shows up in Brawl, never shows up again. Fire spin felt so overpowered. <laughs> Weavile. 
debuts in Brawl and uses False Swipe. It sort of zips back and forth across the screen, and whoever gets caught in that zip back and forth doesn't take a lot of damage, but they are stunned by it. Uh, shows up in Brawl, never shows up again. Gonna swipe you! Just kidding. <laughs> uh, then, uh, those are all the, those are all the Brawl debuts. Then four actually, like, just adds a bunch. Uh, first is Obama Snow, uh, uses Blizzard, sort of like, you know, uh, has, has an aura of ice around it that can freeze you, and then, and then it follows up with Ice Punch, it just smacks somebody. Debuts in four, and has been confirmed to be an ultimate. Obama Snow. Urban Legend and Pokemon. <laughs> Arceus debuts in four using gravity, which uh man, I actually don't remember what Arceus does. I I think I think maybe it slows things down or or maybe it makes you heavier. I I forget, but it it does something wacky. It shows up in four. We haven't seen it in Ultimate yet, but maybe we will. I don't know. Name sounds like seal. Arceus Chespin debuts in four. A little green uh starter from Gen 6, uses a seed bomb, like throws out throws out an exploding seed. Uh has been confirmed to be an ultimate also. My favorite seed is Sunflower. <laughs> Darkrai debuts in four. Uh really cool looking, like edge lordy legendary Pokemon from I wanna say Gen 4. Yeah, Gen 4. It uses Dark Void which sort of makes the screen darker and, and does damage to those nearby. He's confirmed to be an ultimate. Grim Dark Shadow the Hedgehog Pokemon. <laughs> I guess Grim Dark is a single word now. <laughs> Thank you for nodding. This is a really great radio, just you nodding and everything. Uh, Dedene debuts in 4, uses this Discharge. Uh, that was sort of the Pikachu clone of Gen 6. Uh, it's like orange, uh, electric fairy Pokemon. It jumps into the air and uh, does like the sort of rotating electricity thing and then disappears. Uh, we haven't seen it since, but, you know, we're only one game away from Ultimate now, so could, we could see the Dene again later, or they might swap the Dene out. The Dene, DDD. Weird name twins. <laughs> Eevee debuts in four and uses takedown. And it just basically like, just like hops around like tackling people. It debuts in four, and it's confirmed to be an ultimate. And I know we've used both of our dis extended discussions here, but I think Eevee should be an exception, actually. Okay. A um, little, little bonus round. Yeah, a little bonus round because, uh, Eevee is, is kind of a significant deconfirmation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, Eevee is both a very popular Pokemon and is getting her own game. Pokemon Let's oh, Go yeah. Eevee, in which Eevee will be a starter. And you would think that maybe they'd want to at least have some room for Eevee to be a playable character, because Eevee's going to be very important this year. And I bet you're going to see a bunch of Eevee in the anime later mm -hmm. this year, too. I but guess. I guess the thing for me there is that what makes Eevee interesting is, of course, not Eevee itself, but rather the myriad evolutions that you can kind of specialize your Eevee into. Yeah, yeah. So if Eevee were a playable character, I would just be sitting there playing as Eevee thinking, I wish I was playing as Flareon or whatever. Right, but what if evolving was like Eevee's gimmick? That's interesting. 
I was going to say that it does seem a little complicated for a Smash character, but, you know, they're, they're Shulk. Like, they're yeah, complicated Smash yeah, characters. Yeah, there's complicated Smash characters. But anyway, um, we'll talk about that mechanic when we're talking about a later, we're talking about a later character. I have an idea that I'll share with you in the future. Okay. But yeah, I, I think it is worth noting that Eevee has been confirmed to be an ultimate, and I think that's sad for some people. I know we've got a, we got at least one viewer mail that made a strong case for Eevee hmm. as a playable character. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to let that person down. I'm sorry, too. Sorry, Vinny. That's our bonus round. So, Fennekin debuts in 4. Uh, fucking that adorable-ass Gen 6 Firefox starter. Uses Incinerate. It sort of just shoot, it shoots a little flame forward that, like, it's basically like Lucas's PK Fire or, or Ness's PK Fire. It debuts in 4. We haven't seen Fennekin since thus far. Firefox, great browser, great Pokemon. <laughs> Fletchling debuts in Smash 4, a cute little bird that evolves into a big firebird later. It has peck, it just jumps around like pecking, basically. We haven't seen it other than 4 so far. Do not underestimate Tiny Bird. <laughs> Genesect debuts in 4. Uh, like just big, like purple robot bug basically has this attack called Techno Blast. It, it, uh, has a lot of range, does a lot of damage. It's really cool. We have not seen Genesect since four. Genocide insect. Genesect. Ultimate destruction. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, <laughs> Giratina debuts in four. Big, like spooky ghost dragon from Diamond and Pearl uses Dragon Breath. Big, meaty attack like a lot of these legendaries have we it's it's confirmed to be an ultimate actually so welcome back Giratina. ghost my favorite pokemon type uh, i'm glad you're like slipping in like secret information like wink <laughs> go goat debuts in four uh grass goat uh, uses takedown and basically just runs across the screen and you can ride on it you can basically stand on go goat as it runs forward I uh, always kind of loved that. Uh, we have not seen it in Ultimate yet. Go, goat. Goat who goes. Go! <laughs> Inkay, uh, cute little dark psychic squid. Inkay uses topsy-turvy, flipping itself upside down, and when it hits the ground, anyone standing on the ground trips. We have not seen him in Ultimate yet. Lovecraft-inspired evolutionary line. Creepy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Keldeo debuts in four. Uh, there was a uh, there was a line of legendaries in Gen five that were based that were sort of like horses based off of the Three Musketeers, and Keldeo was like a little unicorn based <laughs> off of D'Artagnan. Keldeo, uh, love Keldeo's design. It runs around using Secret Sword. Just like a big, big ol' slash, uh, coming. It originates from its horn. Uh, cool shit. Shows up in four. We do not see it in Ultimate. A lot of these legendaries tend to sort of stay in the game that they debut. Uh, a couple make it to Ultimate, but I wouldn't be surprised if Keldeo stayed. Literary masterpiece reduced to unicorn. <laughs> uh, Q-Rem, the third legendary from Black and White, 
Um, uses icy wind, sort of creates an aura that, you know, turns people frozen. Debuts in four. We haven't seen an ultimate so far. How to heal Pokemon? Cure em. Oh, God. <laughs> Meloetta. This neat event Pokemon. It's sort of shaped like a music note and has like a musical motif going. Um, it was actually a Pokemon that I thought might be playable uh, when Smash Bros. U rolled around. Did not predict her. Uh, she was a Pokeball Pokemon. She uses echoed voice where she sort of sings and hits you with it. She has not shown up in Ultimate so far. Love that design. Great Pokemon. Yeah. Oshawott shows up and uses Surf. Surf's around, across the screen. Uh, Oshawott being that sort of otter clown starter from Gen 5. And it's basically just Piplup. Uh, we have not seen Oshawott in Ultimate. I would not count on seeing Oshawott in Ultimate. Awkward Pokemon, beloved by many. <laughs> Palkia, a legendary from Gen 4, shows up and uses special rend as the legendary Pokemon that represents space, uh, the concept of space, as opposed to the concept of time. Palkia turns the screen upside down, and anyone who touches Palkia also takes damage. Palkia is, is confirmed to return in Ultimate, because everyone loves turning that screen upside down. So good. Special rend. Special friend. Better. <laughs> Sn- <laughs> Snivy debuts in four, uses Razor Leaf. It, it does what Chikorita does, but it's Snivy now. Uh, it has not been seen since four so far. Razor Leaf cuts me deep. <laughs> All right, Shadow. Uh, Spupa, uh, sort of the cocoon form of, of the Gen 6 butterfly Pokemon. Debuts in four and uses Stun Spore, where it lets out some some spores and and stuns you. Pretty self-explanatory, although maybe not because we had to explain the sweet scent thing. Has not been seen since four thus far. Love status monkeys like Spupa. <laughs> Swirlix debuts in four and uses Cotton Spore, which like slows people down that are nearby it. We have not seen Swirlix since four thus far. Does Swirlix lick or swirl? Yes. <laughs> Victini debuts in 4, Victini being sort of the Mew of Gen 5, and uses a Victory Star, which um, sort of just raises the attack of the person that calls Victini out. Pretty cool. We have not seen Victini since 4 thus far. A Victini victory. How expected. <laughs> Xerneas. The deer legendary from Gen 6 uses Geomancy, which raises, like, everyone's, like, attack and, and like, knockback, but, like, gives a higher bonus to the person that called Xerneas out. Shows up in 4 and Ultimate. Like real deer, arrives, leaves. <laughs> and finally, uh, a debut in 4 is Zoroark, the sort of Lucario-esque Pokemon from Gen 5, sort of the, the black, like, werewolfy Pokemon with paintbrush hair, uh, uses Fury Swipes. It's, it was in 4, and it's in Ultimate for some reason. Zoroark sounds like clumsy detective. <laughs> hey, Zoroark, you gonna give me the files, or are you gonna trip on, on the, the, the scene? Uh, Dog can only say five words. Oh! <laughs> 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 I'm 
That's just like Zorro's like speech impediment. Anyway, um, now we're in uh, Pokeballs that we have seen so far in footage of Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm wondering if I should release you from your five-word curse because we're talking about new stuff now. Absolutely not. Let's fucking go. <laughs> All right. So Abra debuts in Ultimate, and Abra basically, like, like waits until an opponent is nearby and then teleports, taking the opponent with it, to a random part of the <laughs> stage, uh, potentially, like, you know, teleporting them so far away from the stage that they just fucking fall to their death. I'm I'm a fan. That's that's really creative, uh, and it's funny to see another Gen One Pokemon pop up. Uh, it debuts in Ultimate, so I don't have to say whether it's an Ultimate. We we know. I I'm speaking redundant words now. Makes or breaks Nuzlocke runs. Huh? Yeah. Beware, uh, big like teddy bear Pokemon from Gen Six. Uh, runs around smacking people and like doing an uppercut. We, we're not sure what official name its attack has yet. Uh, some, some of them are really easy to guess, like Ivers Teleport. We don't know what Beware. Even for me, stupid name. <laughs> Lunala, the legendary from Gen 7. Beware is also from Gen 7. I might have said Gen 6 by accident. Lunala uses their signature attack, Moongeist Beam where they're, like, in the back of the stage, and then the beam sort of, like, comes into the foreground and does some nasty damage. My warlock's name in Warcraft. Lunala? Seriously? <laughs> he nods again. Uh, I mean, when I was, like, 15. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's no, yeah. that's, like, that's still just amazing. What a weird, what, what a weird, like, coincidence. That's really cool. Yeah. The Alolan version of Raichu, with, like, the surfboard tail shows up, and Smash Wiki claims that Alolan Raichu uses Wild Charge, but it looks to me like Alolan Raichu is using Surf, because it's it's riding around on its tail as it attacks. Um, maybe I'm just a doofus, and that's what Alolan Raichu does when it uses Wild Charge, but that looks like Surf to me. Lightning and water don't mix. <laughs> Solgaleo, the other legendary from Gen 7, Uses Sunsteel Strike, and we actually saw that attack in the E3 Direct. Uh, looks strong. Strong Lion. Cool Pokemon. Powerful attack. Strong. <laughs> um, Togedemaru, the Pikachu of this generation, a little electric hedgehog, uses Zing Zap, its signature move, uh, and sort of like has like spiny electricity that it strikes you with. Electric Hedgehog, gotta go fast! <laughs> and finally, uh, the Alolan version of Vulpix shows up and uses Powder Snow. Uh, and it's very cute, and I love its model. My duty's done. Fuck Vulpix. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, Vulpix is cool. I just wanted to end my five-word thing on a on a high note. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow, that, uh, I'm glad he's... I'm impressed you stuck with that so long. That was really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. You did. And we're all the better for it because we're making a pretty good time. Nice. Okay, great. You know, I, uh, now that we're out of the five ward gate, I, uh, I do want to say I was like, I was happy, but also kind of bummed when, when Solgaleo showed up at Gen 7 and he was a lion legendary based on the sun, uh, because 
I have like a notepad file with a bunch of <laughs> fan-made Pokemon ideas and one of the legendaries for my fake region based on Australia was a lion legendary based on the sun. Solgaleo is a cool name, though. I think that was cooler than what I came up with. If there were, like, the seven wonders of Daniel's world, that notepad document would be one of them. Be one of the seven wonders. Well, what what does that mean? Well, you know, like, the seven wonders of the world. They're kind of the... If you were to show an alien something that would just communicate to them what the world is, you would show them the seven wonders. <laughs> oh, I see. So, yeah. so that notepad file with all of my fake Pokemon ideas, that's... It's one a part of, of your soul. Yeah, that's one of that's one of my horcruxes. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Good, okay. Good, good call. Okay, great. So with that all behind us, uh apologies for me not going into like very detailed descriptions of all of them, but uh had we done that, this episode would be six hours long. Yeah, exactly. I I I really needed to to make some executive decisions to save time there. I feel like that's gonna be a pretty big chunk by itself already. But in general, I don't think we ever thought that any of those Pokeball Pokemon were going to be promoted to playable. No. So, there were never any Smash 4 costumes based on Pokemon or its trainers. So here we are in new character discussion. So, so there's reasons I'm glad and reasons I'm bummed that we did this episode after the big Smash Bros. Ultimate reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I'm glad is because I, I saved myself from looking like a fool uh by not predicting shit like pikachu or pokemon trainer sure um although you know i i fully admit that i wouldn't have predicted those things so i'm already (laughs) a fool so really i'm i'm just a bummed because i was going to make a prediction here that went against the grain at the time before the full reveal there was a pokemon that i saw on almost every list as the new representative and and i think if I had said then that I didn't think that Pokemon would be playable, mm-hmm. which I did not, okay, uh, it would have turned a lot of heads. However, I think I think I'll say it now, and people will be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> and that Pokemon is Decidueye from Generation Seven. To be fair, Decidueye does have a stupid name. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it it grew on me. It was a little weird when I first heard it. Decidueye is the uh, is the grass ghost final evolution of the owl starter from generation seven right and what a cool which is yeah which is actually a great pokemon yeah what a cool design like freaking robin hood owl uh making like grass arrows with like a friggin like spirit bow just cool ass design i think it would make an amazing playable character and you know people were also saying like yeah it got added as a new character to pokin tournament why wouldn't it be in Smash also, and I think actually that kind of hurts his chances. Right. Sakurai likes his decisions to kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes its playable debut in one fighting game, then what would be the big deal if it was playable in Smash also? Sure, that makes sense. Um, but like the thing is, is that most of these Pokemon playable character veterans are based on what's popular in the anime right now, or what's going to be popular in the anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rowlet is a very adorable Pokemon in Ash's party in the anime, and therefore it looks like it's never going to evolve into into Decidueye. Right. And Decidueye hasn't really shown up in any major role in the anime either. Sure. And, uh, you know, I should really point out some of the other... I kind of neglected to mention that Greninja 
you know, Greninja is obviously a very cool Pokemon with a very popular design, mm-hmm. but it was clearly in because Ash's signature Pokemon in the Gen 6 anime was his Greninja, who even had a form that made him look like Ash oh, in the okay. anime. Right, right. The, the Ash Greninja, <laughs> who who became playable in Sun and Moon, actually. Okay. Because the thing is, I think Sakurai, for the most part, basically goes to Game Freak and it's like, hey, which which Pokemon are you marketing right now? Right. Which, which Pokemon do you plan on marketing by fall 2018? Who should I put in the game? And they tell him and he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, he does a good job. Yeah. So I don't think that he would walk to them, ask that, and they'd say Decidueye because they're not really sure. marketing Decidueye. I, I think Decidueye being in Pokemon Tournament was friggin' Harada going, this guy's badass, can we put him <laughs> in the game? The game freak's like, all right. Right. Uh, you know, different dialogues there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is badass, and I'm glad he's in the game. Yes, yeah. No, is great in Pokemon Tournament. But, you know, a lot of people are still like, oh, yeah, Decidueye would be perfect, and it would it would balance out the fire water grass triangle right that has been vacant like you know like the grass part of that triangle has been vacant because pokemon trainer isn't playable anymore mm-hmm. so you have charizard you have greninja but we need a grass starter it's going to be decidueye um but now pokemon trainer's back and we have ivysaur right now there's too many water pokemon <laughs> uh you know and i don't think that triangle was like, even if Pokemon Trainer never showed up, I didn't think that that triangle was really something that Sakurai thought that seriously about. Yeah, not me neither. Uh, I was never going to predict the Sijuai, and now that prediction is a little less edgy. I don't sure. think, I don't think nearly as many people think the Sijuai is going to be in anymore. That some makes people, sense. some people still do. And, you know, I kind of hope I'm wrong because mm-hmm. the Sijuai is awesome, but there's that. So let's talk about some other characters that could have a shot. Let's do. So Sun and Moon has a has a has a thing called Ultra Beast, and I think that uh, I think it'd be kind of cool to see an Ultra Beast represented in Smash Bros. Okay, um, like they're sort of basically just these new versions of legendaries, but they're all supposed to be like otherworldly and and uh, I see and sort of crazy looking. There's two Ultra Beasts in particular. Uh, one is like this big like m- like muscly bug that looks like almost like sexy it's a little weird uh <laughs> called buzzwole okay <laughs> like yeah buzzwole looks friggin awesome and would be fun to play as in a fighting game sure but i don't uh i think buzzwole should be a pokeball pokemon That's right what I'm right okay uh Feromosa, which is uh this very like slender just like all like white like this intimidating bug lady, basically. Okay. You know, there are fans of her. Some of them are kind of weird. But she could have a cool moveset. I also think that she'll probably be a Pokeball Pokemon. Okay. So then we go to Pokemon, debuting in Gen 7, because I feel like we will get a Gen 7 Pokemon, basically. Sure. That are popular in the anime. Okay. So first up, Zeraora. Zeraora is the latest event Pokemon to be revealed for uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Mm-hmm. Zeraora is going to be in the latest Pokemon movie and therefore is uh, very notable, very popular this year. Sort of like uh, sort of like if Lucario was an electric cat, basically. Okay. You know, I don't I don't think that Sakurai cares too much about types, but I do think that, especially now that Pichu's back, Three electric type mm-hmm. Pokemon as playable characters is a bit of overkill. Sure. And, you know, I don't really know too much what Zeraora does yet because Zeraora hasn't been released. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't see it, uh, doing anything that, like, screams make me playable in Smash Bros. Okay. 
but probably a Pokeball Pokemon, if I had to stake my, my guess. Fair enough. Mimikyu is just a fan favorite and also very popular in the anime. Mimikyu is basically like... Uh, a ghost Pokemon that wants to be as popular as Pikachu, so it hand makes like a Pikachu costume for itself uh, that it wears over its body. Uh, you know, looks very like very like amateurly made, basically. Like it's just like really adorable, and there's just like eye holes cut out at the bottom, and you never see what Mimikyu really looks like. And Mimikyu is probably one of the most popular characters in the anime. Uh, because Jessie from Team Rocket has Mimikyu as one of her signature Pokemon. <laughs> that is and, great. And there's basically just a running gag that like Mimikyu like is just like freaking out every other member of the cast with how intense and angry it is. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, she, like oh no, Mimikyu's mad. Like let's get out of here. Uh, but you know that there's also like really cute episodes. Like there's one where like Mimikyu's costume gets torn and mm-hmm. then like Jessie like sews it back together. That's cute. Uh. And, you know, they, they almost have, like, uh, like a mother and terrifying child relationship uh, that makes me wish I watched the anime more. Okay. I think Mimikyu could be really cool, but I think its thing is that it doesn't move around too much. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be a weird Pokemon to not be a Pokeball Pokemon. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, perfect as a Pokeball Pokemon. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think it'd be an awesome Pokeball Pokemon. I think it's a shoe and it's a Pokeball. Don't really think it's going to be playable. Me neither. There's one remaining Pokemon that's a big that's being treated like a big deal in the anime right now. Okay. And that is Lycanroc. Hmm. Uh, or Lycanroc. Mm-hmm. Lycanroc is a rock-type uh, dog Pokemon, or really a, a rock-type wolf Pokemon. It evolves from this little cute rock dog named Rockruff, mm-hmm. right? And Lycanroc has multiple forms. If Rockruff evolves in the daytime, it evolves into the midday form, where it looks more like sort of a slender evolved version of Rockruff with kind of the same brown on white color scheme. Mm-hmm. If it evolves at nighttime, it becomes the midnight form, which is a bipedal uh, red, gray, and white, like werewolfy Pokemon. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That, you know, like looks more intimidating and has more like dark moves and stuff. And then in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, they introduced a new form called the Lycanroc Dusk Form, hmm. uh, where if a Rockruff with a specific ability uh, evolved in between five in the morning and six in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> it would become the Dusk Form of Lycanroc. Okay. And basically it's it's quadrupedal again, but it's got like, it's got this orange color scheme and it sort of like mixes elements of the midday and midnight forms of Lycanroc, and I think is generally considered to be the best version. Conceptually, um, that is really cool. Yeah. Uh, Ash's Rockruff in the anime evolves into Duskform Lycanroc. Nice. And, uh, and you know, is basically sort of his ace Pokemon when he's not using Pikachu. Okay. So I think Lycanroc uh, is probably like the most likely marketing decision right. for Smash. And I think I think that you could do like some cool like rock attacks, you know, that that haven't really been seen represented in Smash Bros. Sure. Because the rock type hasn't really been playable yet. But there's also... It's also like, well, okay, so you got, like, a wolf-like Pokemon that uses, like, you know... Uses kind of, like, fast attacks and, and can maybe hit you with some projectiles and stuff. But there's several wolves in, in Smash already. <laughs> uh, one of them is named Wolf. Yeah, one of them is literally <laughs> named Wolf. On paper, I'm not sure that's 
that's something that Sakurai would go for, mm-hmm. right? That maybe he, he couldn't figure out how to make that stand out. But what if Rockruff was the Pokemon that was playable? <laughs> what if you start as Rockruff, uh... <laughs> right? And first of all, like Rockruff is, is still a very popular and, and iconic Pokemon that everybody loves. Sure. And basically, Rockruff is like a new kind of momentum Pokemon mm-hmm. where uh, some of Rockruff's moves have a daytime property on them. Ah, I see. And some of Rockruff's moves have a nighttime property on them. Once you've done a certain amount of moves, let's say he's done like, once you've done like 10 moves with Rockruff, mm-hmm. Rockruff evolves into a Lycanroc. Right. And the kind of Lycanroc it is depends on how many, like if he has more daytime shards, let's just, let's just call him shards. Sure. If he has more daytime shards than nighttime shards that he's accumulated from using these moves, then he evolves into midday Lycanroc. If he has more nighttime shards, he evolves into midnight Lycanroc, right? Uh, and if he has an equal amount of both, if he has, <laughs> you know, if he has five day and five night shards, then he evolves to dusk form Lycanroc. And basically, like, all three are, like, drastically different playstyles from each other. And dusk form is, like, borderline overpowered mm-hmm. because you have to do so much uh you have to do so much move management in order to evolve into that form of Lycanroc. So basically Rockruff is sort of this this build up character who's like starts out kind of weak. Mm-hmm. Rockruff starts starts out kind of weak, but as he evolves, he becomes like formidable and his evolutions are like stances basically that you have to build your way towards. I love that idea. Here's how I would implement it. Okay. Air attacks give you midday points. Okay. Ground attacks give you midnight points. Okay. Uh, evolving into midday form makes you more powerful. Like gives your air attacks better properties. Right. Uh, midnight form gives your ground attacks better properties. Mm. Uh, middle f- dusk form right. just makes both of them really powerful. That's really cool. I'd probably swap the two. Like have. Have midday form be the ground-based one since midday is like the quadruped. Okay. Right? So like, yeah, like you're more formidable on the ground is that's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh so this is definitely like this could bite me. Okay. Because I could definitely see World Wars just like Hand Rock that's playable. Sure. But I'm gonna predict Rock Rough wow. as playable. Okay. I I think that Sakurai really has fun uh taking mechanics from games, right? Taking like especially iconic Mm-hmm. long-running mechanics from games and incorporating them into Smash, right? Like, he put Pokemon Trainer in there because the Pokemon swapping mechanic was a big part of Pokemon. Like, sure. he even said something along those lines. I think if he had an idea that allowed him to implement Pokemon Evolution as an in-game mechanic for Smash, right? I, I think he would jump on that, actually. I do I, think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, so I think, <laughs> I think Rockruff is the playable character... And that Rockruff's mechanic is that it evolves into Lycanroc, especially because the last few Pokemon newcomers have all been badasses, you know? Mm-hmm. We we got Lucario, and then we got Greninja, you know, Charizard has been kind of the face of the Pokemon trainer for a bit. I think an opportunity to have at least in part another cute Pokemon as a playable newcomer, yeah, it's Rockruff. All right. Predicting Rockruff. Good luck with that. <laughs> are are you are you letting me tread that path on my own? Uh I am letting you tread that path on your own. Okay. I just I don't feel that I'm as in tune with Pokemon as you are to the point where I can really stand by that decision or not. 
So I'm going to let you do that one, and best of luck to you. Okay. So do you think that there won't be a Pokemon newcomer, or do you have a different one in mind? I... I am leaning toward the idea that there will be a Pokemon newcomer. However, I haven't played the latest Pokemon games. Yeah. So I don't feel confident enough that I can actually predict a new Pokemon character. So essentially, while I am not predicting a Pokemon character, just for the sake of posterity, I do think there will be a new Pokemon character. I just have no idea what it would be, and I really can't make an educated guess. Uh, so you wouldn't even guess something like Decidueye? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, this is uh, very far away from my area of expertise. I don't, like, I think that you made a good case for Decidueye not being in the game. That's fair. Um, I am good at that. I also just... I am I'm, the best. <laughs> I'm not... ever was. Really... <laughs> Go on, sorry. No, we're we're done. And we had a good run. Uh, this is the end of a smashing theory. Thanks everybody for listening. Go to my YouTube channel. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just uh I think that out of out of the characters that you highlighted for potential inclusion, none of them speak to me, including Rockruff. I think Rockruff would be a cool inclusion. I don't think that I it doesn't seem to me that it is a likely inclusion. Okay, well I do have uh, I do have a couple more okay. things to throw out there, actually. Uh, one is that they've said that Pokemon Let's Go mm-hmm. is going to have a brand new Pokemon in it, and we don't know who that is yet. Mm. So uh, it's possible um, Pokemon Let's Go comes out in, in November, has that new Pokemon, and then that Pokemon is playable in Smash Bros. in December. Okay. Uh, it's also possible that they just wait until Gen 8 comes out next year and then we get a DLC character in 2020. Ah, okay. So you're convinced that there will be a new Pokemon character. I believe that that is the case. So by not guessing one, you would lose a point anyway. Do you want to throw a guess out there? So here's my question for you. Okay. Can I say, I think a Gen 8 Pokemon will be a new character and count that as a guess? Or is that too vague? No, you, you totally can because that's that's all we can possibly know. Uh, actually, when I entered that Smash 4 roster guessing competition, and, you know, they'd, they'd revealed maybe about a third of the Pokemon XY roster, mm-hmm. uh, my guess was a Pokemon XY Pokemon we haven't seen yet. Okay. Greninja got revealed later for Gen 6, and then after that, it got revealed for Smash 4, and I got that one right, because I guessed as accurately as I possibly could. Okay. Uh, so if you wanted to say a Gen 8 Pokemon... Just leave it at that. If a Gen 8 Pokemon ever gets announced as DLC, that would count. Yeah. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I am going to predict that a Gen 8 Pokemon will be DLC for the new Smash game. But since that feels so overly broad to me as to almost be unfair. Okay. I am also going to predict that it will be the second to last DLC character. Okay. That we That is revealed to us. Oh, for Smash. For Smash. Okay. Specific. I like it. Yes. Um, And that means you're also not predicting the Pokemon Let's Go new Pokemon. That is correct. I am not predicting that Pokemon. Okay. I, I feel like that's a good call. I feel like the Pokemon Let's Go newcomer might be something like Mew 3, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and like Mew, th- like if that, 
First of all, that'd be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> second of all, uh, that's not going to be a playable character when Mewtwo's around. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have a sense that whatever new Pokemon is revealed in the Pokemon Let's Go franchise, it's going to feel kind of gimmicky and not like a real thing. Yeah, that's fair. Do you, do you want to maybe be specific in a, in another direction and say like, it will be a Gen 8 starter or it'll be a Gen 8 legendary instead mm. of like, instead of guessing a specific place in the DLC pattern? I think it will be on the evolutionary line of a Gen 8 starter. Okay. So it could be the first, the middle, or the last. Okay. And I get bonus points if it's the second to last DLC character. Not actual real <laughs> bonus points in real life, but you guys are going to be impressed. I will throw confetti <laughs> at our podcast table Thank if you. that happens. You also have to clean the confetti up. <laughs> I I will accept this. T- <laughs> okay. All right. So if you get it right, I have to throw confetti and clean it up. Uh-huh. If if you get it wrong, what what do I get? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. I want you to throw confetti anyway and have to clean it up. Okay. <laughs> we just, we're just changing who throws the confetti. It's a deal. I know. That seems unfair. I don't really have to do anything to win that. We'll, we'll, if we'll, you... we'll, just, we'll just think of something when I make – if Rockruff is in, I should get something. There you go. And if I get my prediction wrong, I'll I'll make mouth noises that simulate me throwing confetti and then grumbling while I clean it up. Okay, great. Yeah. Right, good. Okay. Locked in. The contract is sealed. Great. But okay. So – but what – uh, what what happens if Rockruff is in? What do I get? I don't know. What do you want? Um, hmm. If Rockruff is right, mm-hmm. you and I commit to streaming a playthrough of Gen Eight together. Okay. Okay. Great. We're we're on we're on different sides of the prediction coin yet again, and okay. it feels good. <laughs> so that's the that's the character discussion out of the way. I I should say for the record that I think I think a Gen Eight uh, DLC Pokemon could happen, and that the Let's Go Pokemon is even possible, but I, I feel like it won't be the Let's Go Pokemon. I'm only officially predicting Rockruff. Okay. All right. So, uh, then we move on to other stuff represented in Smash, representing Pokemon. So, bosses. We haven't talked about bosses for a while, and Pokemon actually has a boss. In the Subspace Emissary, uh, you could fight Rayquaza. Right. And, you know, uh, the sequence where you fight Rayquaza is actually probably one of my, like, Subspace Emissary was a flawed mode. Yes. But but Subspace Emissary felt amazing to me when I was a team of Diddy and Fox fighting a Rayquaza. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is what's great about Smash Bros. right here. Okay. Uh, And Rayquaza was a really cool fight, pretty hard, uh, but but fun. Nice. Yeah. Oh, Rayquaza's cool. I don't think Rayquaza will be playable. My entire feeling about Rayquaza is that when I first found out it existed, my, like, teenage or whatever thought was like, Rayquaza, that's a stupid name, and then I stopped paying attention to it. So Sounds I'm, about I'm right. I'm glad that it's actually cool. Yeah. In As far as, like, new bosses go, like, it's... Usually if there's a big, cool Pokemon, it's just going to be a Pokeball Pokemon. Right. But I have an idea for what a new, like, Pokemon-themed boss could be. Okay. Uh, so there's a sequence in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess there will be Pokemon Sun and Moon spoilers here. Right. Uh, so if you don't want Pokemon Sun and Moon spoilers, fast forward three minutes. There's this character named Lusamine. Mm-hmm. She's the the head of this, of this kind of shady organization called the Aether Foundation. Okay. They're, they're basically sort of like... Uh, 
they're basically sort of like Pokemon PETA, you know? <laughs> right. Like they, uh, I don't know, they're, they're more like just like a, like a shady like lab that like Taz's like, oh, we, we're coming up with the future of Pokemon okay. over here, but, uh, really shady practices happening under those walls. And basically Lusamine sort of is undergoing projects to sort of open these ultra portals and, and use these uh, ultra beasts for her own means. Okay. Um, so basically you follow her, you and some other characters follow her into an ultra portal and she finds an ultra beast named Nihiligo, which is sort of this, like, uh, this just, uh, very creepy looking like jellyfish, mm-hmm. uh, this like cosmic jellyfish. And basically the boss fight against her is, uh, she fuses with the Nihiligo and you just, uh, you just fight like, uh, you, you just fight like, yeah, this, this crazy woman, like inside a jellyfish with like these crazy tentacles. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. She, she should be a, a boss in whatever new adventure mode that ultimate hopefully has. I'm down for that. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about stages. Okay. So it's funny. Usually when we, when we talk about stages, we talk, we talk old stages and their chances of returning every Pokemon stage in the history of Smash, with the exception of one, has already been seen in Smash Bros. <laughs> Ultimate footage. Nearly all of them are already returning. Okay. But talking about stages is fun. Let's talk about them anyway. Okay. So uh, in 64, we had Saffron City. The classic. Yeah, just the, the, the skyscrapers that you could jump on with that one building in the middle that had, like, a door. Yep, uh, the ugly 2D Pokemon yeah, popping out. with the ugly 2D Pokemon coming out. Those Pokemon being Venusaur, Charmander, Electrode, Chansey, and Porygon. And it's funny that some of those got uh, sort of promoted to Pokeball Pokemon later, like Electrode and Chansey. Right. Uh, Porygon got Porygon 2 instead. Venusaur was a Pokeball uh, in Melee and nothing mm-hmm. else. And Char- then, of course, Ivysaur and Charizard later went on to play become playable characters, which are part of that evolutionary line. Yeah, but I uh, I really love the Saffron City stage, and it was basically one of the first returning stages to be confirmed for Smash Bros. Ultimate. It was right. even at the Invitational, uh, and that has been its first appearance in 20 years. Wild. Or 19 years. Right. It's yeah, it's it's like one of my favorite like original stages, so I'm glad it's back. It's really cool that it's back. Yeah. Then in Melee we got two stages, the first of which being Pokemon Stadium, another classic. Yeah. Speaking um, of classic stages, great and weirdly the template for other stages in other franchises. Yeah. Yeah. It uh yeah, it has like the two platforms and sometimes the sometimes the stage would transform into something, you know, based off of an elemental thing right and uh that returned in brawl and it took a break for four but it is back in smash bros ultimate right uh it's also notably the only stage that doesn't have pokemon cameoing on the stage itself right uh you just have people in the audience in the background and that's it then we have in melee the only stage uh that we have not seen footage of in smash bros ultimate yet and that's Pokey Floats. Less of a classic. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, like, it's you fighting on a bunch of, like, like floating balloons <laughs> of various Pokemon, and I've listed them all here. Squirtle, Onyx, Psyduck, Chikorita, Weezing, Slowpoke, Porygon, Wooper, Pseudowoodoo, Snorlax, Venusaur, Seal, Wobbuffet, Goldeen, Lickitung, Chansey, Geodude, and a bunch of unknown balloons at the very end. Jeez. Um, it's funny that a lot of those are sort of, like, returning 
cameos from like the past 64 from from the past Smash Bros game. Some of them are currently Pokeballs like it's yeah, it's it's funny to see that selection. Mm-hmm. Um and then like just like Geodude is there for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, like it was a silly stage to fight on like you know a lot of like jumping from balloon to the balloon is like the camera position changes and stuff. I wonder if, like, the reason we haven't seen it is because, A, that'd be a really hard stage to do without stage hazards, mm-hmm. and B, like, what would the what would the Omega form of that even look like? Yeah. Uh, it should just be the Onyx balloon by itself <laughs> that never moves. That's pretty good. Uh, but, like, if we're getting all these, like, you know, my belief is that we will see every stage back, so I, I hope the Poke Floats comes back. It, it'll be funny to play on that once and then ever again. Exactly. Then in Brawl, we got Pokemon Stadium 2, which is like Pokemon Stadium 1, but it transforms into a different set right. of of new stages. Uh, and on the various like stage transformations, you could see Dugtrio, Cubone, Hoppip, Skarmory, Drifloon, Electivire, love Electivire, mm-hmm. Magnezone, Snover, and Snowrunt. <laughs> And if you couldn't guess, though, those are uh, ground, flying, electric, and ice-themed stage transformations. Yeah, fun, fun stage. Like it a lot. It was in Brawl. It was in the Wii U version of Four, right. and it's it's in Ultimate. Good stuff. Yeah, Brawl also had a Spear Pillar stage based off of the climax area that you fight in in Gen Four, mm-hmm. um, and therefore like. Uh, some legendaries appear in the background and sort of change the way the stage works. Uh, Dialga, the time legendary, shows up. Palkia, the space legendary, shows up. Cressalia, like sort of this moon legendary, mm-hmm. along with uh, Azelf, Mesprit, and Uxie, who are sort of the legendary trio. They're like weird little fairies. Okay. They all, yeah, do stuff in the background, like they, like, like they slow down time, or they make the stage go upside down, or they shoot out a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah, uh, it was a yeah. I, I liked that stage. It was, mm-hmm. it was cool enough. It's fine that it's coming back. Yeah, took a break for four, but here it is again. Right. Uh, then the 3DS version of four had two new Pokemon stages. The first was Prism Tower, sort of a traveling stage where you fought on a platform as it flew around the like cell tower that's in the center of that big old hub city in, right. in Pokemon X and Y. The, the place where the, the electric gym leader... L- Lumios? Lumios, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you're, uh, yeah, Prism Tower in the middle of Lumios City. You sort of flew around it on this platform, then eventually land on the ground, and mm-hmm. you could fight on the ground for a bit. Uh, Helioptal, Magnemite, Zapdos, Emolga, and Eveltal cameoed on various points of that stage. Right. It is back in Ultimate, and it's HD, baby. Not a huge fan of traveling stages, as I've said before, but right. uh, it's fine that it's back. Yeah. Uh, and also on the 3DS is the Anova Pokemon League stage. You know, sort of these platformers with the Anova Pokemon League in the background, and I think, like, N sort of, like, shows up with, like, okay. the, the weird stairs and stuff in the background. Right. Rushiram, Zekrom, Shaman, Whimsicott, and Melodic appear in the background of that. Whimsicott is a great name. Yeah. That's really all I have to contribute there. Great name. Good job, Whimsicott. Keep it up. And finally, the Kalos Pokemon League was in the Wii U version of 4, and it is back in Ultimate. I actually love this stage. Yeah, it's an awesome stage. It's another transforming stage that uh, sort of starts out as just sort of the circular platform with a lot of blue. 
but then like it'll change to one of the four uh, chambers owned by each member of the Elite Four. There's the Dragon Mark Chamber, which has Garchomp, Hydrogen, Axew, Dragonite, and Rayquaza in it. The Blazing Chamber, which has Infernape, Tepig, Blaziken, a male Pyroar, and Ho-Oh in it. Uh, the Ironworks Chamber, which has Clinklang, Steelix, Scizor, Honage, and Registeel in it. And the Flood Chamber, which has Piplup, Wailord, Blastoise, Clawitzer, and Manaphy in it. And when the legendaries Rayquaza, Ho-Oh, Registeel, and Manaphy show up, they sort of mess with the stage and add new stage hazards to it right. in cool and fun ways. Just an awesome stage to fight on. Had a bunch of ballin' music that was great. I really appreciate how, like, that is, like, yes, it's a Pokemon stage again, and yes, it's another transformation stage, but just, to me, the stakes always feel much higher on that stage, because, like, you're in there in the Elite Four chamber, and it's very epic, and it has yeah. this intense music, you Yeah, know? yeah. So I like, tonally, I like it a lot. I was really into it, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's talk about new stages. Okay. Um, so I've got a couple, uh, you know, Gen 7 is the most recent generation, and I think we'll get a stage from Generation 7. The first is Melee Melee Island, which is sort of the first island that you start out on. It, it's got a lot of great scenery, and it's where, like, you get your first, uh, your first, like, equivalent of a badge, basically. It's where you do your first trial. Right. Uh, there's sort of this cool, like tribal area where you get your first pokemon and i could see that being a cool like basis for the stage okay and there's also the aether foundation headquarters which is which really works would work well as a stage because it's sort of just this cool dome like suspended (laughs) in the air uh with uh this this sort of like animal sanctuary area like in the middle like sort of this grassy like biodome thing that's cool um yeah, actually, like, the more I said out loud, like, Aether Foundation Headquarters was practically built to be a Smash stage, so nice. I could I could see it being that. I hope you're correct. Yeah. Do you have any Pokemon stage ideas, even even if you don't have really any Gen 7 experience to offer from that? Yes, actually, and this would be reaching pretty far back, so I don't think this is really going to be a thing. Hmm. But I would love a Team Rocket Headquarters stage that's themed around, like, conveyor belts. Oh. Because the thing that I always think of when I think of Team Rocket and Pokemon is doing those incredibly aggravating conveyor belt puzzles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just think it'd be fun if, like, you're, like, fighting on a platform and then suddenly, like, the conveyor belt just starts, like, spinning and you have to, like, run along one side to avoid getting knocked off the stage. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, maybe you get kind of conveyor belted into a compartment and you, like, come out in another part of the stage. Yeah. Like, I just think that there'd be a lot of fun kind of nostalgia trip type stuff that they could do with a stage like that. That's that's a really awesome idea, and... They brought back Scizor as a Pokeball Pokemon for no reason, so maybe <laughs> maybe that's because there's there's a stage based off of Gold and Silver for another no reason. Well, also- Sakurai, if you're listening, it's too late for you to add this as a stage <laughs> at this point in Smash's development, but I hope you regret your decision it not is, to. It is worth noting that Pokemon Let's Go is coming out this fall, and that that could be enough of a justification for Smash Bros. to somehow represent Kanto again. All right, well, good. I'm looking forward to my uh, Team Rocket stage. (laughs) I just felt a lot of sincerity in there. (laughs) Items. uh, We can talk about old items and new items. uh, And what's funny is we've basically been talking about the old item all this time. For the majority of the podcast. Yeah, uh, and that's the, the Pokeball item that sends out the Pokemon in the first place. There's also a Master Ball variant that sends out any legendary right. that was introduced in four it can call it any legendary and sometimes goldine uh, 
So I guess basically I don't think we'll ever get a Pokemon item besides that. Are there any are there any new Pokeball Pokemon do we think that could be in there that maybe we've missed talking about? What do you think about that, Daniel? Um, I think we've talked a lot of cool options already. Mimikyu, those Ultra Beasts. Uh, Nihiligo actually might be a cool one. It would basically just work like the Metroid. Ah, uh, that's cool. Uh, I think Infernape would be cool. Like, sure. Yeah, I like Infernape a lot. He hasn't been seen in a while. Just put Infernape in there. Do some Fireball Monkey stuff. What about you? So, one of my favorite Pokemon, not for any good reason, is Stunfisk. Oh, Stunfisk would be perfect. Yeah, and the way that I imagine Stunfisk working is you throw your Pokeball out, and Stunfisk kind of like flops around for a little while, and Mm. then burrows and becomes invisible, (laughs) and is just there for the rest of the match until someone steps on him, Yeah, and then they get paralyzed. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. Oh, that's amazing. Good, good pick. Thank you. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the soundtrack, both existing highlights and potential new tracks. All Th- right. The thing about the Pokemon soundtrack is, A, Pokemon has had an amazing soundtrack over the years. I agree. And B, man, the remixes of Pokemon for Smash Bros. have been pretty much fucking amazing across the board. <laughs> They've had such good remixes, like ever since Melee, even like that, like orchest that orchestrated Pokemon Stadium theme that they did for Melee, mm-hmm. like the the main theme of Pokemon, just like just playing with like really intense instruments, like that was so cool. Yes, they they did a new version of it for Brawl that was also really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pokey Floats theme in Melee <laughs> was like uh was just like a medley of all the the battle themes in gen one and those right. were all great they they managed to make like the they the the road to viridian city theme they managed to make that like a fun battle theme um the victory road theme from ruby sapphire is really like really intense and awesome nice the team galactic battle theme also from Gen 4, just has this really cool techno sound to it that I really love. Okay. Uh, there's this theme called Route 10 from Black and White that they, like, they remix and give this really, like, Latin sound to. Interesting. That sound, it sounds nothing like a Pokemon theme anymore, <laughs> but it sounds great. Okay. And then there's the trainer battle theme from X and Y that was also used as the theme that played when they revealed Greninja. Right. In, in, uh, in Smash 4. That's like a sampling of my favorite themes, <laughs> right? Like, there's so many, like, almost all of them, almost all the remixes that they've arranged for Smash Bros. are just incredible, and there's so many of them, it was really hard for me to narrow it down to eight. <laughs> In terms of new tracks, like, there's been a lot of great stuff already, but there could be some good new stuff, too. Sure. So there's already actually a remix of the Champion Cynthia's theme okay. in Gen 4. She's blonde, and she's got, like, those little black things. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very beloved character. Mm-hmm. Um, the re- the remix of her theme for Smash is is pretty cool-sounding, I think, actually. Okay. But it's also arguably worse than her original theme, uh. because they make it more mellow, and I think what people loved about it is how intense it was. Okay. Uh, so it'd be cool to just hear a new remix of her theme that sort of, like, doubles down on how intense that theme initially was. Nice, I'm down for that. Also... I feel like Black and White was kind of ignored when they did soundtrack remixes. Okay. Um, there's this one theme in Black and White called Emotion. Mm-hmm. That's this very, like, sad, like, theme. Like, it's like, 
Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. Like it's, it's, it's like, it sounds beautiful (laughs) when I'm not doing it. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) What, you you weren't captivated by the beauty of that? I was so captivated that I came back around to uncaptivated. You you captivated me too much. Oh, damn. I always always overdo it. It's crazy. Uh, Anyway, it'd be cool to hear like, like a battle remix of that, like the sad, the sad theme that I really <laughs> love that they just sort of like make like upbeat and something I can fight to. Okay. One of my favorite themes in the entirety of Pokemon is uh, in Black 2 and White 2, this girl called Iris, this like very spunky Dragon Master girl mm-hmm. becomes the champion and like her champion theme just sounds like fun. It's like something you can like bop to. <laughs> I want a remix of that. Okay. Then of course there's music from Gen 7. Sure. I think some themes, uh, and you can't really engage with me on this, I understand. So I'll just run down a few that I think would be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Team Skull battle theme. Here's the thing that I know about Team Skull. Yeah. I once saw a video of a bunch of people cosplaying as members of Team Skull, all descending an escalator simultaneously while chanting, Team Skull! Team Skull! Team Skull! Team Skull! Team Skull! Team Skull! And then cheering for themselves when they got to the bottom. That's what I know about Team Skull. You know that that's that's very in character for Team Skull. <laughs> I uh, figured as much. Yeah, like uh, Team Skull is great. They they've got like their music has kind of like a hip hop theme to it, uh-huh. and they they just have kind of a hip hop motif. Nice. Um, so it'd be really cool to hear like a remix of that. It'd be great if we could get some like cheesy rapping over it. Yeah. You know? uh, the the original theme has some cheesy rapping. So, nice. Uh, like the the Team Skull battle theme has some cheesy rapping like not very like easy to make out like i don't think they say anything distinct but right. like, it, like you just you you have like you have a guy with like sort of a rapper sound to him like vocalizing in the background being like yeah yeah okay uh, that's that's good it'd be great if there was just like a, a rap if they just like made like a legit <laughs> rap for that there is this uh there's sort of this edgy blonde guy named gladian who you fight as a rival and his theme is awesome there's also the Masked Royale, kind of this uh, flamboyant wrestler man okay, who you fight at one point, and his theme is really good. That should get a remix. The theme that plays when you fight the Island Kahuna, which are basically the gym leaders of Gen 7. Right. Like, it starts out really intense, and then it, like, busts into this, like, really happy, jumpy theme. <laughs> like, dun 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 Like, it's very happy and fun. Okay. Uh, and I, I like it a lot. Uh, that like I like I want a remix of that like hardcore. <laughs> uh, and finally, um, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon has a champion, and since that game's kind of recently out, I won't say who the champion of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is. Okay. Um, but their theme, like I like I haven't even played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon myself, but I listened to their theme. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Like nice. it, it made me wish that I had played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Okay. Maybe I'll jump back there and grab it at some point. Cool. Maybe I'll get one of the Sun and Moon versions for the car ride. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might as well get Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. It's, right. It's right. basically the same story with more stuff than I got to experience. <laughs> um. And yeah. And you know, some minor changes, like the champion's different. Right. The champion for the original Sun and Moon is also really cool. Um, you'll get a cool champion either way. Okay. But yeah, those, those would be like my major picks. Do you, um, you have any like new Pokemon tracks you'd like? 
Well, the obvious one for me would be Deoxys' fight theme. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that hasn't been remixed yet, I don't yeah, think. So that'd I be think awesome. That'd be really great. And then I can't recall whether or not this has been remixed, but one theme that really blew me away as as a young Pokemon fan was just like the champion battle theme from Red and Blue, like when you're fighting Blue. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we're always, always really epic, and somehow... I never like the arrangements that I hear of it. Like, yeah. I always want to go back to the original. So yeah, it'd be yeah. cool to get a really satisfying rearrangement of that theme. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't think that's been rearranged, actually. Okay. So that'd be awesome. Uh, one thing that would also be great is if they just dump the 8-pit version of yeah. that. Just I'm okay on there with that. to fight. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, whatever they add music-wise, it's going to be good. I agree. Let's open some listener mail. Let's do it. Not a powerful wizard on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) You guys with your names. Like, my name on Reddit is so normal. And then I could have been not a powerful wizard. (laughs) Dang. Anyway, please go ahead. (laughs) Not a powerful wizard on Reddit says, I demand a Lolan Executor as the next Pokemon (laughs) rep. I don't know how it would work, but it is needed. Fight me. (laughs) Uh, You know? Well, I can't speak to the likelihood of that happening. I would appreciate it. I think Alolan Executor actually would make a great Pokeball Pokemon. Yes. Um, <laughs> Alolan Executor, for those of you that don't know, uh, is is an Executor from Gen 1, but the neck, like, you know, which is sort of like this sort of like this chunky palm tree. But uh, but the Alolan version, the neck just stretches out for like <laughs> 17 feet it looks ridiculous. It'd be really great if, like, you could throw a Pokeball out, and initially it just looks like regular Executor, and it might just be regular Executor. <laughs> but like, then his neck just, like, stretch. Right. There'd, there'd be, like, a 30% chance that, like... So, he, so okay, so here's my plan. Okay. 70% chance that it's regular Executor, it drops some eggs, and you can grab them to heal. Right. 30% chance that you go over and you get ready to pick up the eggs, and then the neck just pops straight up and knocks you into the air. That's actually hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, not a powerful wizard. Yes. I, I like... I like Alolan Executor, but Alolan Executor always makes me a little salty, hmm. um, because my favorite Pokemon, like, in the entirety of Pokemon, is Tropius. This mix of Palm Tree and Brontosaurus that just right. looks really badass and cool. He's got, like, bananas hanging from his neck. It looks like a little banana beard. <laughs> uh, I love Tropius, and Tropius always, like... Just never gets enough support, you know. Like even uh, when it's I see. like even when it's like, oh, this would be a perfect time to put Tropius in the game and give him something new. Uh, they just don't, you know. So you just feel like a Lohan executor, a Lowland executor with his long neck is stealing Tropius's thunder. Yeah, no, like you, they had a Lola, they had this Hawaiian like <laughs> right. setting filled with palm trees, and they could have put Tropius in there and given Tropius something cool, but they just. They take a Gen 1 Pokemon and turn it into more of a palm tree. Uh, bums me out, man. Tropius deserves better. I'm sorry. I'd pat you on the shoulder, but you're across a table from me, so I won't. <laughs> Alolan Executor is a funny meme, though, and I will acknowledge that. Yeah. Vinny G sends us an email. He says, I want to talk a bit about Gengar. As they're the fighter I'd most like to see in Smash. Hmm. This partly has to do with Gengar being a ghost type, my favorite type of Pokemon. Good taste. (laughs) But it also goes deeper. Gengar was the first Pokemon who could only be evolved with a trade, which has since become an important evolution factor. 
Their evolution line was the only ghost type in Generation 1. They're in the top classes of fighters in Pokémon Tournament. And they're the most popular Pokemon Go catch in the U.S. state of Illinois and South Carolina. <laughs> Gengar would also be a unique fighter and has the moveset potential to be a fighter who combines status effects and physical attacks to create some deadly combos, mm. sort of like a dark Jigglypuff. <laughs> Back before we knew that there would be considerably less new fighters, Gengar was one of my choices to make it into Smash, and I still believe there's a great character here waiting to be leashed from the shadows. You know, I agree. Yeah. I think Gengar would be a great fighter. Yeah. Um, I do also incidentally love Gengar's implementation in Pokken Tournament. I yeah. think that he's one of the coolest characters in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, I, I am inclined to agree. I I don't I'm not predicting Gengar. However, I would not say no to Gengar. Gengar would be great. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. Uh Vinny also also included in his mail uh ideas for Cubone. Rotom and huh. Evie. Wow. Him being the aforementioned person that I knew whose heart would break when they realized that Evie was just a Pokeball Pokemon this time. And they're all like equally like, you know, equally like well argued and creative. Um, but this pod, this episode's already really long. Yes, it so, is. So, but Vinny, as always, has great ideas and I love reading them on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you. Lil Fox Tato is back. Yeah, good shit. Good name already. I of course. <laughs> I want to see a Poke Floats 2 stage <laughs> that features Pokémon from all the regions. The stage will float over the Alola Islands and have a day and night cycle like Battlefield. The night sky will be lit with glowing fire and electric Pokémon. Lil Fox Tato, I love both your name and your predictions. Yeah. And uh, this is no exception. Yeah, I know. Pokemon Floats 2 is a great idea. Yes. It'd be great to take that concept and update it so Pokemon from Gen 3 forward can be part of the parade, part of the party. I agree. Yeah. Thanks, Lil Fox Tato. Yes, thank you. <laughs> says... <laughs> their, their their username is GSDFHF. It's like they smacked the keyboard in the middle and went, that's my username. Gisfff says, stage-wise, I'd love to see a moving ultra space stage, hmm. similar to Delfino Plaza. It'd be really cool to fight in the various homeworlds of the Ultra Beasts, maybe even have some as stage hazards, as well as Ultra Megalopolis, and perhaps even the Altar of the Sun slash Moon. As for Pokeballs, since we're getting every character back and potentially every stage too, why not bring back every Pokeball Pokemon? <laughs> It'd be neat to see some of the Pokemon that were only in Smash 4 or Melee finally return. A few more Pokemon from every region in general would also be nice, so long as every region each has a similar amount of Pokemon available. I do like those ideas. Yeah, God, like... The, the every Pokeball Pokemon idea is just like, so we just read 80 right, on the yeah. podcast. To, to be clear, that is an insane idea, but I still like it. Yeah. Also, your Ultra Space stage idea is excellent. Yes. Thanks. 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 <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Please get a new name. One day, when we're, <laughs> one day when we're both 80, we're just going to sound like that all the time. Let's enjoy being in our late 20s and early 30s while we can.
Finally, this isn't a uh, a listener feedback that has to do with Pokemon, but it does have to do with Smash, and we always encourage those. At Brendan Ewart on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says this in response to um, the fact that that I predicted Starman from Pro Wrestling would be the retro rep because Scott Pone had been clutched away from me, had been torn from my clutches. Right. Um, Ripped so, from your bosom. Yeah, so I predicted that, and Brendan Ewart says, I think the fact that Starman and Starman from Earthbound share a name uh... may cause Nintendo to not add him to not cause any confusion. Thanks. Uh, yes. th- thanks for that point, Brendan. Here's what I have to say. There are already two playable characters named Roy in Smash Brothers. <laughs> okay, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I th- the names obviously might be different in in Japan for Roy and Roy. I feel like the name for Starman in Japan, at the very least, both versions of them, are probably also different right. in Japan. And that's probably where Sakurai is the most concerned. Also, if Starman from Earthbound was a playable character, I might... Be like, oh, well, that might be confusing. Um, but since he's just an assist trophy and, you know, not one you even are going to see in every match, I think a guy named Starman is a good idea. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I do appreciate that point. Thank you, Brendan. Yes. And that is all the Pokemon talk. There, <sighs> there was a lot of it. I really love Pokemon. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> Uh, so now we, we get to go over our roster predictions, past and present. Up until recently, uh, we sort of said every character we were predicting, uh, giving sort of a pokey rap cadence <laughs> to the list. However, now that we know that every character from every Smash game is returning, um, some of these predictions are redundant. So, uh, so now really all we have to say is who we think will be newcomers. Okay. To start off our roster prediction recap, let's talk about what we got right. Mm-hmm. We've predicted correctly that every character from Smash 4 would return. <laughs> we predicted that the Ice Climbers would come back. Mm-hmm. We predicted that Wolf would come back. And we predicted, during our E3 predictions episode, that Ridley would be a newcomer. And boy was he in spectacular fashion. So here's what we've gotten wrong so far. Every Smash character returning... Besides the Smash, <laughs> besides the ones we just listed, right. Pichu, Pokemon Trainer, Young Link, Snake, yeah, those all coming back, didn't see that coming. We also did not predict that Daisy would be a newcomer. Right. Although, to my credit, I do want to mention that I thought that she'd be like the next, next likely character after Captain Toad. Sure. But sure. I didn't bite. Or, you know, after Captain Toad and Paper Mario, who I eventually sort of cut back on. Right. We also... Incorrectly predicted that Scapon would be a new playable character. Mm-hmm. Scapon is an assist trophy. Uh, we incorrectly predicted that Bomberman would be a new playable character. Bomberman is an assist trophy. True. And Sean incorrectly predicted that Midna would be a playable character. Midna is an assist trophy. So all you Switch hackers, because I've heard there are a lot of you, <laughs> stop doing weird stuff and instead make Midna a playable character. Or, you know, just... Stop hacking the switch. You're making things more complicated for the rest Make of us. Minda a playable character. <laughs> All right, goodbye. So here are currently unresolved predictions from both of us. Yeah. We both predict Captain Toad will be a newcomer. Mm-hmm. Rex from Xenoblade 2, along with 
Pira and Mithra will be playable. Right. The Monster Hunter will be playable. We yes. specifically think that'll be a DLC deal. Uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. and Rabid. Then my predictions that Sean is not joining me on mm-hmm. are Starman from Pro Wrestling. Yes. Hey Hachi from Tekken. From Tekken. <laughs> and Rockruff from Gen 7 of Pokemon. Yes. Sean's predictions that I am not joining him on are Mock Rider, Marks from Kirby, and a Gen 8 starter Pokemon. Yes. Okay. We each think that including DLC, there will be eight newcomers besides Daisy and Ridley. Right. You know, so far. And, uh, yeah. 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 But there will definitely be more to discuss. Many more theories to smash (laughs) in a smashing theory. So if you're wondering where else you can find us, I have another podcast called Play This with an exclamation point. (laughs) Uh, I host it with my very, very close friend, Max Lando, and we just finished recording our Psychonauts episode, but I am not done editing it yet. (laughs) Um, It might be up by the end of this week. I feel like you can probably see it uh, by Monday, the 2nd of July at the latest. It's, it'll definitely be a good episode. We, we have a lot of thoughts about Psychonauts. Some good, a lot not so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I I was present for a lot of Daniel playing Psychonauts, and uh, I'll be very interested to hear what he and Max have to say about it, because I can tell you that I, Sean, a non-Play This host, was not very enthusiastic about that game. <laughs> uh, I found it difficult to watch. Uh, so I can only imagine what it was like for Daniel to play it. Apologies to the Psychonauts fans out there. If you're interested in checking out my more fun and flirty side, not really. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you uh, if you want to be entertained, check out my YouTube channel. I've got lots of good videos on there. And one day, when I am not working on a full-time job, running a tabletop campaign, and hosting a podcast, there will be even more good things on there. But for now, you can at least check out the archives. R.E. Chief. Search for that on YouTube, and you will find me on the on the YouTube. Cool. If, on the other hand, you're interested in commissioning me for voiceover or music composition work, you can always reach out to me at my email address, seandanielfrancis at gmail.com. That's S as in Sam, E-A-N as in Nancy, Daniel, and then Francis spelled with an I, at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to discuss that kind of thing with you. Yeah, Sean is super talented, if you guys can't tell already. Um, I don't know. I mean, after listening to me say five word things about 90 bajillion Pokemon, I don't know how you couldn't think I'm talented. Yeah, that took some talent, man. I'm impressed. So, uh, yeah, definitely hire him and look at his playthroughs of things. Thank you. Next time on A Smashing Theory, Assist Trophy Franchises. Ooh. (laughs) There are a lot of characters, a lot of franchises in Smash Bros. that have only been represented by assist trophies. Like Bomberman. <laughs> Why? Uh, and 
Also, stuff like Custom Robo yeah. and Golden Sun and Dylan's Rolling Western. Uh, we are going to talk about all those franchises that have only been represented by Sis Trophies so far and just see their likelihood of getting promoted, particularly the ones that are, that are still missing from Smash Bros. Ultimate. Right. Um, so if you guys have any theories yourselves about which Sis Trophy franchises are most likely to get some sort of upgrade or, or nod or maybe like even like a stage representing them or like music from those franchises you want to see in Smash, you can email us at asmashingtheory at gmail.com or tweet us at asmashingtheory, and we will feature our favorites on the podcast. Yes, we will look forward to hearing your smashing theories. Also, feel free to send us any other Smash-related questions or just ask us what our favorite kind of bread is. Spoiler alert, mine is challah bread. Great to make french toast with uh i really like uh those, those big old italian breads that you can get like giant loaves of like the boulangerie and stuff those are good man yeah um so i guess don't ask us that question anymore ask us what our favorite kind of cheese is <laughs> i'm resisting the urge to just blurt out what my favorite kind of cheese <laughs> is because you know we got to keep that so that if someone wants to ask the question then they can let us know it's humble fog <laughs> really great goat cheese definitely give it a try if you have the opportunity and you like a nice tangy creamy cheese i just need to stop giving fake examples because you're going to provide <laughs> the answer before the episode ends mine is brie so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh send send us any questions you like and we'd love to read them on the podcast yes we can't give you any more examples or we're going to keep recording for another hour also, uh, on our off time, we're currently working on putting together a highlight reel to sort of introduce new people to the podcast, since we know that these big episodes we've been making lately can be kind of intimidating to jump into. They are pretty big. So if you have any favorite moments of ours, any favorite bits, any anything that we've done that you think deserves to be in the highlight reel, send those to us as well either by email or tweet and those could make it into the real because yes. it's 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 changing as we speak it's it's mutating <laughs> like a like a ditto at this point the world is your oyster and by the world i mean the real and your oyster i mean your suggestions the real is your suggestions so suggest some stuff for the real anyway we'll see you guys in 2 weeks and until then for 2 weeks I hope that you, my friends, my associates, my colleagues, my children, have a smashing time! <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>